is back. What's going on, everybody? Joel Radio. I swear I'm going to make this podcast fun. That is my goal today. I swear this will be fun. <laughs> we will be talking about things that maybe aren't all that fun. Exactly. But we're going to make it fun. We we're going to make it fun. It's all going to be fun. Jason's here. Jason Filen. Merez. I Perfect. said that the other day. That's great. Introducing you at that the was, comedy That castle. was the best, man. It's the one thing I can do. It's beautiful. But we're going to talk about it. I went to see the Rolling Stones. We're going to talk about that today. Awesome. We'll talk about the Beatles Get Back. Oh, yeah. Which I've watched twice in its <laughs> eight-hour entirety. Oh, wow. Because so I'm gonna... a maniac. Yes. And people know that about me if you've been listening to the show. Uh, it's Oscar season, and we've it got is. some Oscar movie stuff going on. Yep. Uh, but then there's stuff... That's maybe not a fun, but we're going to get all that stuff, yep. and it's fun. And we're going to talk about what was going on at the Comedy Castle recently. Yeah. Huge stars. Huge stars, great people. And we saw them. And I, we, between the two of us, we saw them all. We saw everybody. And Very impressive. And it was great stuff. So we're going to get into it. Uh, but first, let's explain if this show sounds a little odd today, <laughs> a little different. <laughs> we are remote today. We are in, I wish I could say this is the Joel Radio Studios. I don't, I don't want this to become a... <laughs> no, we're on a teeter-totter at the park right now. Yeah. You'd think it would sound really good. <laughs> we are sitting in a hotel room. Yes. Jason and I. And it's not a comedy road story either. This is a... This is a uh, yeah, we're not... Joel had to move out of the house story is what yes, this is. Yes, it's very sad. Now, you tell me, because I haven't... You know, I told you this story off the air. But, right. Um, and as I talk to the listeners here, I just want to uh, sort of make it clear that I, I think I did the right thing in this scenario. You did. And it was a tough decision to move. I'm but sure here's the was. deal. Uh, I found out a few days ago my lovely girlfriend, Layla, who you guys all know. She's great. And she's not on the show today <laughs> because it turns out she got COVID. Ah. And um, I immediately went and got tested when we found this out, and I was found to be negative right. for COVID. And I had to make a decision. I consulted with the, uh, the guy at the urgent care that mm. saw me, the doctor. And said, well, what's the, what do we do here? You know, she's, we already knew she was positive at this point. And I said, well, if she's positive, what do I do? Right. I said, well, let, let's, let's go through my scenarios. He said, well, if you're negative, you can do, uh, what is it, the quarantine. Right. Do you want to do the quarantine for 10 days? That, okay, so it's still 10 that we're? It's 10 days from your first symptom. Okay. Layla believes she found out about three days after so I would need to be living away for about seven days. Sure. Okay. So, or, you know, I can do the quarantine at home. He's like, well, if you work from home, you just do the quarantine at home and you'll be okay. Right. You know, and I'm like, okay, but, you know, I can't work from home. Yeah, no, not. And yeah. the risk of me getting COVID is there. Right. Not to mention if Layla needs something, who's getting, who's of course. doing all that. Of course. You know? So I, I said to her, I said, I think the best thing for me to do is because I got six days of work lined up. I had my student showcase on the way. I said, I, I really probably shouldn't be staying here. Sure. Because I'm negative and you're positive. You know, it turns out I'm negative. Right. So uh, I looked around and found this place to stay. <laughs> it's nice. Uh, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a nice, if you got to stay here for a week, yeah. which I'm doing, yeah. it's not a bad place. This yeah. is a 
Should I, I guess I can say the name. I won't be here, but this is the home two suites. Very nice. Thanks for giving me the extra bed, too. Oh, I didn't tell you that. <laughs> stay in. Or I'll stay on the couch. No, that pulls out, I believe. That's what she you're... said. <laughs> <laughs> that pulls out, uh, I mean. As do as, I. As I point to my penis. No, <laughs> um, no, you're on a sofa, and, and that's why there's this curtain. It's a very odd, like, weird little like red a hospital curtain, curtain. Yeah. going through. But I think it's so someone sleeps here, someone sleeps there okay. on the king-size bed, okay. and then you're okay. They can't, but meanwhile, yeah. we've turned this into a podcast studio. We have. I'm in the office chair. You're on the sofa. And I'm hanging on the sofa. I actually, I was going to say, I think. What you're talking about with your uh, lovely girlfriend, I think you did make the right decision because I think you made one based on logic and science instead of just like, oh, Pure emotion, emotional. Which, would be, which would make sense. Well, Nobody then, would blame you. Even, you know, look, some people that I've spoken to in my family were critical that I'm not there. Or like, oh, why don't you stay in this other bedroom and she stays in one? And yeah. and I'm like, well, you got a furnace that's blowing the air all through the house yeah. in the wintertime. No, it's not a good idea. And we're going to end up – we have one kitchen and so there's going to be – then I said – you know, I'm 15 minutes from home. Right. All I got to do is get in the car and go. And what good are you to her if you get sick, you know? Exactly. That's and, not you know, help what her. if you both get gravely ill? Yeah. Well, then who's, you know? Yeah. Um, but she's doing okay. Good. We're, we're, you know, whatever, five days in. Okay. Um, she had that transfusion thing. Yeah, you're talking the mono about mono something something. And they're putting what in her? Antibodies? It's an antibody. Okay. Yeah. And it's, again, it's an emergency thing. Emergency. FDA approval. Okay. Um, and she had it. They said probably 48 hours that she might be feeling better. It's been about 24. Good. So she's, she's not on, doing any worse. She's on her way. So we're hoping that that is because Layla has some, you know, pre-existing things sure. that could prevent her. From, sure. From, you know, she's at risk. And I think you have to be at risk in order to even get that. Yeah. Okay. I understand. And so it's specifically for now. Did she have any any COVID before this? No. No. And you didn't. Did you? She was double vaxxed early. Okay. And I did the um, AstraZeneca study. Right. So it had been a year uh, since I initially did that. I got those shots in December of 20. Yeah, you were. And then just last week, a week before this all happened, so about 12 days ago now, I got my booster. Good. Which was a booster of Pfizer. Right. Because AstraZeneca people, when I talked to them at Beaumont Hospital, they said, well, we're not doing boosters in this study. Okay. But they said, you're still in the study. Go get whatever boost you can get. So I went out and got Pfizer. Good. Is Johnson Johnson doing a booster? Are they still in the business? <laughs> you know what? I read a story that they said, just don't get Johnson & Johnson at this point. They kind of so gave up at this shitty. point. Everybody was on to them. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of shitty. Well, yeah. I think that you know, if you had it, and we were just talking, you know, if it's been more than six months since you've had your double shots, right. you really need a booster because sure. – whatever's going around now whether it's omicron or delta that just because of the waning protection <laughs> right people are getting it everywhere quick question this might be helpful to the people listening i cannot find this answer anywhere okay so let's say i'm going and i'm a doctor so you are asking the right guy you are wearing the robe and the <laughs> stethoscope um like so i'm going to uh like i'm going to a concert in april mm-hmm. royal, royal blood in detroit so yeah. so like i um am i still considered like i have my vaccination card but mm-hmm. like I was, I think I got my second shot in September. By then I'll yeah. be like, are they like, oh, this is overdue or, or is it? If the CDC could change the definition of fully vaxxed. That's what I'm saying. From yes. two to three. Okay. And if they officially do that, then your double vaccination card wouldn't get you in. And that's got it. Yeah. Got it. But as of right now, it's just sort of. As of right now, it's considered double vax or one Johnson and Johnson would be good enough. 
Well, they're also the doing the you know the three day test if you want, but I would just okay. rather just yeah, you can do a three day test. It, I mean that they, those Dave Chappelle shows they tested, they did the rapid testing on site. Did you, you went? Didn't you? No, I didn't go to oh, Dave yeah. Chappelle. I went I to the first people. one, and it was it was uh, it was weird because you had to get the the, the nose swab. They did it. Yeah. Then you had to walk over to the show, which really is not that big of a deal, yeah. but. It does kind of make for a long, look, kind of stressful night. Because how long did it did their rapid test take? Oh, I mean, we were there super early. I think we were in and out in maybe six minutes. Really? I they, mean, their they test were, was that fast? Lightning. Absolute yeah, lightning. Okay. We thought we were going to be waiting all day. Because I bought a home test to <laughs> right. do here in the hotel, and yeah. I actually did it today. Yeah. And that was a 15-minute. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, then maybe Swabs, they... Swabs, and then you put it in the little card with the drops. And yeah, maybe it was a little... But I know, that definitely wasn't over 10 minutes. Okay, I mean, that's It was cool. just yeah. very... Yeah. And I remember it was funny because right next door, or across street at Comerica Park, was the Green Day concert, and I don't know that they were doing anything <laughs> there. It's weird. weird. You know? It's weird. It is weird. Because we've been to stuff... I was going to review this with Layla, but we went to uh, a Broadway show yeah. at um, the Fisher Theater. We yeah. saw Town, which was oh. great, by the way. And we'll talk more about it when Layla's back on. Nice. Wonderful show. Really Good. great. And they were, you have to have a card, you know, the vaccination card, and you had to wear a mask the entire time. Ah, see. Go to the Rolling Stones. Oh. They didn't ask for nothing. Fuck it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then we went to the Fox to see a Christmas, uh, a Cirque Christmas show. Okay. Um, yeah, I've seen that. That's great. And they had, uh, their thing was, was it masks the whole time? No, it was just masks yeah. if you were out of your chair, I okay. guess. But it's just every place is different. You well, know, then you three had, different places, three different rules. Then you had, I really like what, uh, I think when it was Bill Burr, they kind of just had a sign that said, enter at your own risk. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, I can get with that. Yeah. I'm okay with that, you know. But, um, yeah, I just like being able to go to stuff, you know. Yeah. The bands that I follow starting to release tour dates, and I just get so excited because it's something we didn't have for a little while, yeah. you know. It's But it's tough, I think, in certain situations. Like, even when we went to that Sir Christmas thing, it's like, wear your... And, I, yeah, again, I think it was like that. It was like the Bill Burr thing, which I went to, too. Sure. No, I, we got to talk about Bill Burr, too, even though he was in the comedy He's great. We should get into that. But anyway. Oh, okay. It yeah. was, I said to my girlfriend, I said, well, let's wear our masks finding our seats, going through the front door, sure. going through security, sure. having our ticket scanned. Until we sit down, we'll take them off. And that's sure. what we did. So, Anyway, that's where I'm at right now with that yeah. whole thing. So it's upended. You know, even though me and Layla did very good, I had no close family members that got COVID. No, it's, nothing. it's just roulette. I mean, nobody really yeah. knows for sure. Yeah. As far as the, the masks and everything, I, I said in my head a long time ago that I don't want to live like that. However... I'm also like, if I'm going to go into a business and that's the rule, I'm not going to be the right. asshole. It's like, that's yeah. my book. You know, yeah. it's like you got to kind of just do as the Romans do sometimes, yeah. you know. And and get boosted. I mean, that's the sure. thing. I know you and I were talking and yeah. you had your vaccines more recently than six months. So I you're did. You're probably okay. But, yeah. you know, if you, if, you, if you got it back in, you know, January, if you're older, yeah. if you worked in the medical field, like that was Layla's thing. She got hers in January and February. Yeah. Last year. Sure. You got to get those. Sure. You know, even when they opened it up to everybody, which was April. Right. If you got them in April, yeah, well, you're, it's time to get them. You're way, you know. I mean, yeah. I was a year in, and I yeah. thought I'm like, well, this is risky. Sure. And Layla and I have plans. We've certainly given them money anyway to yeah. go on a cruise, oh, right. In the spring, good. And so we knew, hey, let's get boosters before six months of the cruise. Sure. And so That's it worked smart. out to get it in December. Layla's gonna feel like a champ too, because when she comes out, it should be like, well, I got like. 
now like, <laughs> she's like powered up you know like mario kart or something like she's ready so. to go you know you know you hope so yeah, I mean, you don't want to have to go through that but if you're gonna do it just rip the band-aid off and she's yeah, gonna I, go you know go but through. you know you, people have long haul symptoms they and all do. that stuff yeah you don't you ever want to risk it's it not that exactly but anyway we're, we're in a hotel room and i said you know since i'm here <laughs> i grabbed the podcast gear i love it as best i could was really smart. stuff and said I'm going to be sitting in a room. I can talk to myself. And yeah. I said, well, let me see if Jason will come by because we had talked. And let's just move on to the next topic. Exactly. And this is nice, by the way. I just wanted to say, too, I really appreciate the, the prostitutes keeping it down as we're talking. <laughs> hey, come on. It's very, very nice. Hey, i got to edit that out. <laughs> Where are we at? I'm going to edit 12 minutes. It's a hotel off the freeway, Joel. You would assume there would be some <laughs> shenanigans. It is very nice, though. It's it's very nice. Look, I gave Leroy, Leroy $20. So he said he will keep us safe, so we're good. He, I appreciate it. He's, he's down, down the hall. Yeah, I, I saw him. Yeah. I, I tipped him um, all the way up. <laughs> Let's get into what why you're here and all that stuff. I'll let you, I'll just let you take this part. Sure, man, and I'll I'll give it kind of the Cliff's Notes version. Yeah. Uh, as everybody kind of knows, unfortunately, there was a very scary and tragic incident that happened at my uh, high school, Oxford High School, on November 30th of this year. Uh, basically, we joined that very very ugly fraternity of schools who have experienced mass shootings. There was a young man who came out and. Came out of a bathroom with a, a gun, excuse me, uh, firing, and I'm sadly uh, killed four young people from Oxford and injured many others and a teacher. And so uh, I think right now, kind of for me, the thing has been trying not to get completely absorbed by it. Yeah. Uh, I think the mood of the town, a lot of my friends have been asking, what's it like there now? And it, I think it's like initially everybody's like in a fog. You go out and people mm-hmm. are out, but it's just there's like a haze. Now, I think... That um, initial shock has worn off, and now people are just doing everything they can do to help. And uh, that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on December 29th at our live comedy home at Gravcat Brewing, we came up with this idea. Let's just go like old school, like PBS telethon style, <laughs> where you just have stuff going on forever. So it's going to be 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., and then we're going to do exactly that. We're kind of breaking it down in our mind that it's five shows, one per hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be some great people. Joel, you are on it. We appreciate Oh, I'm that. on that now. You are. Finally. Yeah. It, I had to invite him on the podcast. Yeah. No, invite. no, you're I'm on. You know, I was you're, on it. And we have some great people. And, you know, I think the real beauty, beautiful thing about this is every single person who's on this, everybody, most people are going to do five minutes. None of these people are five-minute people. They can all yeah, yeah, headline yeah, or feature sure, or at yeah. least host at a comedy club. Yeah. And everybody just sort of says, hey, let's come out and help Oxford. A couple of my really good friends were, I mean, when this happened, I think the natural instinct is like, what can I do to help? And I can't offer anything except yeah. for that. And so, I mean, I was, it may have maybe not even really been appropriate. It's probably a half hour in and I'm making calls and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm bugging people. And yeah. I had people ask me, what are we going to do? So that's what we can do, and, yeah. um, you know, it's very sad. I think it's – we were also – so we have a show this Sunday as well with Brad Wenzel. That's our regular show. Mm-hmm. And I think what was happening, we were really, like, pushing and advertising. And as soon as this happened, obviously, I stopped running the sure. ads. But something really interesting happened, which was we just kept selling tickets through that yeah, because I yeah. think people were like, I need something. Did you uh, – Did you? now, I know there's another room in Oxford that you don't promote, but somebody else doesn't. I believe they canceled their show. Oh, yeah. That's they had a the, show the week of yeah, uh, when that happened. They did. And, I think it's at the uh, Legacy Center just down the road. Yeah. Uh, I've seen – yeah, Jeter played there, Bouchard. But, yeah, I mean, they – and we would have done the same if it right, was right, the right. same week. But Because you've been running <laughs> this room 
how many shows now? And so we, uh, last April was the first. This is eight straight, eight All straight right. sellouts. The the people have really come out. We've had great uh, great headliners and also just great overall uh, mm-hmm. people. We have a photographer now. Amanda's producing it. So okay, so it's great. And uh, I think you know it's one thing that people have been asking me a little bit about. Though I just want to clear up is everyone asked me what happened at the vigil. I don't know if you heard. Oh, I don't know anything about this. So I'll make it real short. So there was a a candlelight vigil in downtown Oxford. The shooting was Tuesday. We had the vigil on Friday. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Things got really scary. There was a a huge crowd of people, and then somebody passed out, and then there was some yelling on one side. Yeah, and then the people on the other side got freaked out. A man and I were standing, and it was packed in really tight, and uh, there was a rush of people. And then there was a popping sound, which apparently was a microphone falling. Okay. But somebody, and I thought I was hearing this, but I heard all the other people say somebody yelled gun or he's got a gun. Oh, really? Yeah. I heard none of this. Yeah. The, the news tried to kind of, <laughs> yeah. But there was a stampede. And I think really the really terrifying thing about that was after everybody realized it was nothing, you saw some of these kids that were at the high school that day who were yeah. just freaking out. Yeah. And having such a hard time. And Amanda huh. and I just left. Because yeah, I, I mean, that's... I, I'm not normally a very emotional guy, but just seeing these kids just so upset and yeah. seeing the parents trying to protect them and, and the fact that they don't feel safe at this moment is really hard to see. And obviously nobody can really, uh, you know, I think when you see tragedies like this, people are all trying to find some human connection and kind of figure it out for themselves. But I think the people that really need our help are just the kids that were there and the teachers yeah. that were there that survived and... God bless some of the ones that didn't and then the ones that are injured. So, yeah, we're just trying to – we don't think we're going to save the world or heal the world, make the world a better place. We just think we can distract people for a few hours and that's yeah, like, raise that, some money. And, and to do it right there in Oxford where sure. you're from, yep. you know, you were the first person I thought about when I thought Thank about you. this whole thing. Not Thank that you, you weren't going to be in danger or anything. Oh, yeah, I know. I but, appreciate it. But, you know, it. just like, oh, Oxford, that's Jason's place. Now, here's Thank my you. story sure. as it relates uh, to this. Uh, I uh, have a day job now. Right. That uh, takes me through Oxford. Oh, nice. So on that day of that shooting, oh. I probably drove, you know, I drove past that high school on the Pier Road probably at, you know, 6.30 a.m. Okay, and it's okay. behind the Meyer, obviously. And behind the Meyer, yep, I know yep. right where it is, yep, and I, yep. so I knew I'd yep. go through Oxford. And, sure. You know, on, d- depends on the day if I go through Oxford, on this, but on this particular morning, I did. How long have you been uh, doing this job? Uh, since the summer. Oh, have you? Okay. So, anyway, so then on the way back, though, at the end of the day, so I drive these cars around. It's a whole... Right. It's not for this show, the, the story about <laughs> me driving, but I, I have a job <laughs> driving cars. Let's okay. just say that. Uh, on my way back, I was on the pier road down south by I-75, by the old palace. Oh, yes. Um, you drove right by my house. One o'clock. Yeah. Were you really? One o'clock that day. That's when And it... I'm filling up this, I'm filling up my vehicle. Oh, I, I, And every, yeah. I've never seen yeah. emergency vehicles yes. going north on the pier road. Oh. I mean, I must have saw dozens oh. in the five minutes it took me to gas up. Yeah. Going straight north. And I knew something was up. So oh. when I get back to the office and the guy working at the office there, that, that, uh, my job, he goes, there was a shooting at Oxford High. Ugh. And I go, oh man, right? So because we were all like, what's going on? We didn't, you know. Yeah, you want to know when you see that. And so bam, it's really you know, scary. And then by the time I, you know, I'm in my car and I pull up the internet and I'm trying. And it's to all happening. Yeah. So it had all just happened there. Yeah. So in a way, I felt like, man, I was you kinda... between driving there. Not to mention, you know, one of the memorial services was right where I go every day. Was Kensington it? Church there? Yeah, the yeah. Oh yeah, right on twenty four. Yeah. Coming back. 
and sure enough, all the news crews were at the memorial yeah. for the one student. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like I, you know, hey, I go through Oxford a lot. I know yeah, you. you have a connection. I have a little bit of a connection to no, it. No, you do. Some people don't. And, you do. You know, it's like, man, I could have been, there's actually time at one o'clock, I could have been driving south on the pier road. Yeah. Coming from 69. Yeah. It would have been right plastic. Well, well, you at were. At that point in time. You were certainly in the vicinity when yeah. the gears were turning Absolutely. and this person's had like, to do these things. Yeah. And as far as, uh, you know, I think we all have growing up that moment of you. You remember what you were doing? Like our parents had JFK. Yeah, yeah. We had Space Shuttle Challenge, and then we had nine sure. yeah. eleven. This for me was just I was sitting in my loft in my house, uh, you know, Christmas tree on, doing some writing, cats laying on my lap, and then I started hearing what you heard. This yeah. Is it, but I didn't. It, I was kind of dialed into what I was doing, and then Amanda texts me and says there's been a shooting at Oxford High, and I thought, okay, well. You know, that doesn't mean anybody's dead. And then I still hear somebody got shot in the yeah. face. And I'm like, fuck, you know. So then it just becomes absolutely um, heartbreaking. And, you know, we don't have kids. So we don't have – I didn't know any of these young people that died. They seem like they're all wonderful kids. I'm all – everything in Oxford is like one degree of separation. I know mm-hmm. people who knew sure. them, but I have well, no connection. you went to the school, right? Went to you the school. From I school, did, yeah. 1993. It's a different building now, but yeah, it's the okay. same – yeah, yeah, same yeah. school. And, you know, and I have a lot of friends who have connections there. And, and, you know, and the thing, the stories that you hear are exactly the stories you hear at every school shooting, the texting, the parents hiding under the table. And I think what was uh, so impressive, these kids, like, because they grew up in such a different era than you or I did, they've been trained, oh, oh, gunshots. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, I was talking to uh, a parent of one of the Oxford High School kids, and he was talking about how his son heard everything. And I said... Mm -hmm. I said, if I was in high school and heard that, I wouldn't even think shots. Yeah, I would think, well, oh, they, firecrackers. They're trained, and then there's yeah. like a – I saw on the news there's a special door bolt. Yes. And this school had these installed oh, you can't, for yeah. emergency situations. Yeah. So you can't get into the door. And there was all those uh, those TikToks of sure. the students were recording. Right. And he's pounding on the door sure. trying to get in. It was actually law enforcement, it turned out. It, oh, the, was it really? Said, okay, that was – Because he was a, like, let me in, bro. It was a cop trying to – oh, okay. It was. But it was really scary. But it was scary. And the, those things worked. They did they what did. they were supposed to do. That's the thing. You know, I, you know right now we're in that kind of litigation area, area, yeah. area where people want to start suing and blaming. And it's like I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. But I do know that a lot of kids are still here because there were precautions taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. thank God for that. Yeah. Now you know, and I think that Oxford has represented themselves very well. Obviously, they're. Uh, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that they're angry and hurt and sad. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, then you try to, then you be, to get to know the whole thing about the kid and his parents. And everybody in Oxford, probably everybody in America, somebody sitting at their table going, how, why, yeah. you know? Now, did, let me ask you this, and we're going to get off. The, I'm, I'm going to sure. do one more thing. We'll get off this. Yeah, of course. No problem. The, the kid that was, you know, the shooter, the yeah. alleged shooter, we'll, we'll presume him innocent. Sure. For some stupid fucking reason. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty – it literally the smoking gun. You exactly, know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no – Yeah. When I, there, there, people were sharing, uh, you know, like his social media. Yeah. There was stuff about Grav Cap Brewing. You saw that, so, didn't you? Yeah. I, yeah. No, I, I could not figure it out because it was his stuff and then people were writing comments and yes. putting it on stuff. Do you know anything about that? I do. And thank you for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah, that, that was be, so odd because that really hit home. I'm like, wait a minute. Grab Cap Brewing? That's Jason's yeah. club? And I, okay. Yeah, that yeah. all kind of hit. What was that all about? I had a few people uh, send me that. Cody Calebra sent me yeah. that and said, dude, what's going on? So uh, we went to Grab Cap that night just to check on everybody. Okay. We asked them about it. So the place where uh, this young person and his parents lived is 
a few steps away from Gavgat. Okay, yeah. So um, he uh, safe to assume they were in there at some point. It looked to me as if he was tagging a location, if he as if he had been here, been there. Uh, the folks at Gravcap were a little perplexed by it. It sounds like it was somebody other than the kid playing some silly prank after the fact. Okay. I don't know that for a fact, but um, yeah, that was that set off all kinds. Well, that, what was it? It seemed like it might have been some sort of veiled threat against Gravcap. That's exactly what they yeah, thought, and I and thought I was too. Like what? And then I had this to, kid wouldn't even be old enough. I mean, maybe he could go there and have you a could, meal. But yeah, you could go in there. Yeah, yeah. with his parents. But I mean, I did think that I thought that too. It's like wait. You know, we have mass gatherings there. Is this something that yeah. I should be concerned about? But, uh, no, I mean, the GrabCat people are aware of it, and they're checking it out. But There's I don't no, think it was no anything. Yeah, no. Well, here and here's the thing. We'll wrap this up. I'm going to sure. tell you a story. Sure. You know, we lost my dad this year. Yeah. Lost my dad in yeah. August. Very sad. And yeah. here's, I'm going to tie this into Oxford, just <laughs> without saying it, but I think you'll know what I mean by this. Sure. I was a kid growing up. My dad did things that some people would say was inappropriate. Okay. With me. Uh-huh. And I'm not going any abuse. Let me just explain. Yeah, no. <laughs> People like minds are going Not out. at all. No. I was a kid and we had uh, we had like the very first cable television it was on TV. It was an antenna. It sat on your my age, right? Yeah. yeah. It sat on the house uh, and you had to pay Did You say on TV? On yeah, TV. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember on oh, TV? I totally it was $9 that. a month. It was like pre-HBO. <laughs> yes. Okay? I remember that. And they would have uh it was like channel 20 at night would become scrambled. Yeah. And you would have this box and the antenna would un- unlock. Right. And we had a, there was, you know, there was they put on movies with naked ladies. Oh yeah. <laughs> and they also had a show on there, first time I ever saw it anyway, the Benny Hill Show. Oh, yeah. And it was on late at night. Boy, you want to talk about something that could never exist and right now. When I say my dad did inappropriate things, he'd let me watch Benny Hill. Right. And he let me watch this old British. If you don't know what Benny Hill is, oh, yeah. it's an old British guy. <laughs> yeah, chases yeah. <laughs> around girls in bikinis, and they do this stop motion thing. Oh, and he's yeah. running around, <laughs> and it's lots of jokes about his willies caught in a zipper. Yeah, it's... and a lot of just weird, wacky stuff. Now I'm seven, eight years old, right? And I'm watching Benny Hill, and you know, you probably shouldn't show a seven, eight year old Benny Hill. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Fair I can enough. picture it in my head right and now. And then so uh, one time, middle of the afternoon, you know, this is later, watching cable, so I'm probably ten, eleven, and. There's a movie on. He's watching a movie. I said, Dad, what's this movie? He goes, I don't think you're going to like this movie. But yeah, sit down. You watch it. It's funny. Uh-huh. I like it. Woody Allen's Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex. Oh, wow. And if you've ever seen that movie, now, Woody Allen, whatever he did personally, let's yeah. push that aside. He's yeah. a hilarious filmmaker. Right. There's a scene where there's a giant tit attacking the countryside like okay. Godzilla. It's, a, it's a, one of the funniest scenes you'll ever see in a movie. Right, right. A giant tit, and Woody Allen has to go stop this Tit has escaped from the lab. And he's all anxiety written about it, I'm right, sure, as he usually is. Yeah. This tit has escaped, and he has to stop the tit. You okay. know, it's like it starts off like a, like a uh, Frankenstein movie. You know, he's in the basement of this sure. laboratory. It's alive! Yeah. Tit, it's, you know, there's an explosion. The tit is taking Oh, I'm sure over. there was plenty of and explosions. I'm, I'm, I'm in the sixth grade right. watching this tit move across. You probably had an explosion. And me and, me and my dad are laughing our asses. Yeah, right, okay? right. Whatever year it was, 1982, I'm 10, 11 years old. We're going to the movies. My mom says, oh, what's playing? We'll at the show. Well, this movie Stripes with Bill Murray. Oh, yeah. An all-time classic. Of but course. at the time, who knows? She goes to the lady selling tickets. You know, my my son's 10, and should we go to this? Is it appropriate? And she goes, I think there's a little nudity. And my mom says, you know what? Little nudity's not going to hurt him. It's a comedy. Let's have some laughs. Right. We wouldn't watch Stripes. Right. Okay. Right. My parents let me see all those things yeah. when I was... Too young to do them. Sure. And look at me now. 
Yeah. I do stand-up comedy. Right. I teach guys like you stand-up comedy. Yes. I do a podcast. Yes. So what my parents did might have been wrong. Right. But hey, I'm a comic. Sure. Exactly. Think about what happened in Oxford. Right. And think about what those parents did with their kids. I think you made a really interesting and parallel. And I think my dad was a great guy for doing that. Absolutely. And I thank him for the life I have now. And, you know. I totally. If you're, if you're doing things with your kids that you shouldn't be doing. You might want to think about what those things are and what consequences they're going to have on their life. Very well said. So anyway. I would just as a quick postscript yeah. to that. The uh, I, I remember when I grew up, my parents were very strict. And I uh, at the time, I resented it. And then as I got older and got married and became a man, I, st- I so one day woke up and realized, wow, I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a fucking asshole. Yeah, I'm not yeah. mean to people. I'm polite. Right. You, know, you know, and they I mean, ta- instilled all that in me. And I knew that wanna, now. You know, people want to pass laws. They want to do things and restrictions right. and all this stuff. And it's kind of yeah. like, eh, maybe just be a good parent, man. Yeah. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> pay, yeah. Pay attention to the kid. And, you know, is yeah. Oxford preventable? Well, yeah, if you're not an asshole. But, right. You know, it, but that's the, the scary yeah. thing is that yeah. we have the, these kids are these little chemistry experiments. And if you have the wrong people... Yeah. Manning the experiment, and you know, and, you know it's just you know you just think about your own life and what was you know totally what was preventable. This right. awful thing happened. Could right. it have been stopped? Could right. it have been you know um, you know if you're a kid and, and you know you're exposed to comedy at a young age, maybe you have an interest in comedy. Yeah, all you want to do. Maybe you just want make to people laugh. laugh and laugh you yourself. You know, I wanted to make movies. I wanted right. to make people laugh when I was a teenager and sure. a kid. Sure, That's what I wanted to do. And, and, com- and, and you know, because my parents didn't, you know, that's what they introduced me to. Right. You well, know? the great thing about comedy, too, is it also pacifies that need for attention, yeah. positive attention and right. affirmation. And we all need that. We all need you that know? little pat on the head. What are you, what are you exposing your kids to? Are right. you exposing your kids to... You know, social media that's full of hate, oh. exposing them to weapons and violence. And, right. You know, is that your way of solving things in your life as a parent? I mean, the that's bi- the case. That's what your kid's going to be doing. Yeah, the, the big debate yeah. is always with violent video games. And I would say anything can be harmful if not filtered properly. Sure. So if you just say, I'm going to ignore you, go play video games, then yeah, I would imagine well, look, those will become a problem. If I, if, like, if I don't have a kid. Right. If I have a kid and I want to play Call of Duty with my kid, right. and I'm going to be like, my, you know what my kid's really going to be into doing? Playing Call of Duty. Right. He's right. not going to right. go like, oh, let me see if I can go and get this thing. And, and do he, this, I, yeah. He's going to be into Call of Duty. Right. Which, you know, I probably wouldn't introduce my kid to that. I might in, introduce him to Mario Brothers or something. Yeah, something know, fun. Whatever, you know, yeah. My dad bought me Pong. Yeah. We had a machine oh, that Pong. was just Pong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. were kids. Doink. Think and, well, was... you know, you could hit a button and you'd go from one little bar on each side, one right. little paddle, to like three paddles on each side. Yeah, man. Or ten paddles on each fun. side. I would play it right now. It'd be yeah, great. Yeah, but know? that's what we had. My yeah. dad introduced me to that. Yeah. You know? And those so, are all I mean, positive it's, it's things. Like, you know, uh, it, the whole thing's just so silly that, you know, you have a kid who's, you know, in the case of Oxford, just, you know, he's he's you. He's a mini version of you. He is. And, and that's you. And, you know, you... That guy's in jail. So anyway, yeah, let's move on. No, that's fine. Yeah, but I just thought I'd make that. No, I appreciate it. I understand because what you're I, saying. I think that's what people got to think about: is what are you, what are the parents doing? It's a, as somebody who's not a parent, I can vouch and say that it is such an important yeah. job, and how easy it is to to not do it well. Yeah, you know, and, and they fucked it up. They All did. right, let's let's get into comedy stuff. We'll yeah, keep talking that way because yeah. 
In the last month in Detroit, which Ooh. has been a nonstop parade. Absolute of fire. Of huge super, comedy names. Superstardom. Some of them at the Comedy Castle. Yeah. Some of them other places. I mean, sure. I think we both saw Bill Burr at the Fox. We did, yeah. Let's start with that. Yeah. What did you think of Bill Burr? Oh, man. I mean, just, you know, so timely, so relevant, uh, and all new stuff, and yet somehow f- sounds like yeah. you've heard it before, if, you, if that makes right, any yeah. sense. Uh, I think he's the one of the one guys that... Can, he's just up there doing comedy, and yet you really feel like, God, somebody gets it. Thank God, yeah, somebody else yeah. gets and, it. And he's, you know, he's very aggressive. You he know, is. Bill, he gets loud. He oh gets yeah. Aggressive, but he does make sense in a way where he's not. I don't get. You never get the feeling that Bill Burr is just saying a thing be, to get a rise out of people. I agree. I'm going to say this, and they're going to react this way. Ooh, yeah. He really cares about the things that he says, and I think he thinks about them in a way. Yeah. That. Uh, some comics don't. Yeah. Some comics just say the thing because they know the audience is going to react. Right. You know, that fuck cancel culture. But, 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 you know, guys that go, yeah, yeah, yeah. the audience is going to hoot and holler. Right. But you really believe that. Right. You know, Bill Burr did a thing about abortion that yes. was unbelievable. He closed it. And he set, up, it. he set it up in such a way to say, look, I know, you know, you're not supposed to talk about abortion. And yeah. he did all of that stuff. That was all balls, man. And then man. when he went through his thing... He's feeling I'm, I'm going to ruin his bit because I'm not going to try to do it. Like no, did. but his basic point was the like, premise. Yeah, he goes, I'm pro-choice. He goes, but you are killing a baby. You know, right. I mean, that was right. ultimately his thing. Sure. It's like, you talk about the cake and cooking yeah, the cake and, and everything. Like, You're right. You know, yeah. when you really think about it, that is what's happening. Sure. And, you know, so, uh, you know, he, he really <laughs> walks a very fine line yeah. between, you know, you could upset, you know, and, and that bit could upset both sides. But that's the beauty yeah. of it because I think people are so polarized that their mind is blown. Like, wait, you can think two things at yeah, once. Yeah, like he yeah, said, yeah. yeah, I am yeah. pro-choice, but it also is kind of you know yeah. you are kind of doing so, it. And so he kind of does it, and you you can't not respect him. Sure. For having that opinion. Sure. And presenting it in a way where you go, okay, this guy's not trying to do anything. No. He's not trying to win anybody over to no. his No. He's just saying this is what I think. And what I love too about Bill is that. He is aggressive, and yet at no point did I ever feel like he was unlikable. He always yeah, seems like he's a cool dude. Yeah, he does. You know, and I've heard that he is, so I've never yeah, had I've, the pleasure. I've never met Bill, yeah. uh, but he was cool. It was also a little funny aside. Yeah. He had two opening acts, and, and the first guy was this guy, Nate Craig. Yeah. Who was just at the Comedy Cast a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Nate was there, and the first thing he does when he walks out on stage is he says, hey, it's great to be back in Detroit. I was just at Mark Ridley's Comedy yeah. Castle. Yeah, One of the greatest clubs in the country. Yep, yep. And some guy at the show I'm at goes fuck mark ridley what and nate goes hey fuck you that's a great club and everybody needs to go out to mark ridley's comedy oh. castle if you live in detroit you know first of all i love nate craig <laughs> second of all who's this guy that he tried to get on a mic or something or he didn't get know, got his so dreams broken so immediately you know i think we saw the early show on the friday i think we i think that's the show we were at all yeah. right and this guy you know because he goes fuck mark so me of course i come in and sure See Mark on Saturday and go, hey, Mark, just so you know, Nate Craig gave us a shout out. He goes, yeah, I heard that. He's been doing that. And I said, you hear hear the guy said, fuck Mark Ridley last night. And I go, who do you think that was? And he goes, I don't know. And my my girlfriend, when I I asked her, I go, who do you think? Why would somebody yell, fuck Mark Ridley? He goes, oh, you probably threw him out of the comedy castle. I was going to say, somebody somebody had their their heart broken. Probably because of me or because of Bill. Well, (laughs) don't go to a show and act like a jerk. Then you won't have that problem. If you yell that out at the comedy castle, we'll come 
right up to you and go, don't yell anything towards the stage. Exactly. One more, you're out. One more, you're out, man. So anyway, yeah, that was just a funny little side. It was funny. I was really, really, I thought it was really cool. You gave such a good show. They did a great job. And look, there's very few comedians that I'm going to dip in because I see comedy every night at work. Sure. And I see some of the greatest names, some next guys we talk about. I saw them all. Five shows (laughs) throughout the week. I saw them all working. I don't have to pay money to see great comedy. That's awesome. I dipped into my pocket, got, you know, fourth row tickets for Bill Burr. Sure. Because he's that good. He is. And I wanted to see him at his peak, which I think he's there. I think he's still at his peak. I agree. And maybe he can go to arenas, but, you know, he's at his peak. Yeah. He's at, you know, you're seeing the comedian, one of the comedians of our era, at the height of his powers, that was worth 130 bucks. Oh, completely. He's he's at the height yeah. of his relevance too. You right. know, and you know the the Chappelle shows. Yep. From what I've heard, was a comedian maybe on the way down. Really? Is that? I mean, that that seems to be the consensus. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I know there was the controversy about what he said about trans people, but right. you know, there were people that are huge Chappelle fans on yeah. my Facebook, and they were like, "This was you know, I've seen Chappelle five times. This was the worst one." Uh, so you know, I mean, I'm going by them. Yeah, I I went to the I went to the first show, and that was the first time I'd seen him. And I can just say this: that when I watched the special, it was very close to that. wasn't the night he filmed, but it was yeah. very close. And I just to come away from that and say that he hates trans people. Yeah. I don't I don't know if that person watched I, what he well, not I, even yeah, I don't fucking yeah. close. But I, I watched that Sticks and Stones, which yeah. was I guess two specials ago, yeah. Or something. Because people went nuts about that one. Oh, yeah. Remember? I don't sure. even remember what the controversy was. I don't either. One, I don't either. But I was like, let me watch this because I have to talk about it on the podcast. Right. And look, I respect Chappelle. Sure. I'm not like, it's not like Bill Burr where I'm going to give you money to watch him. Right. Okay. Because I Fair feel enough. like he does like what people got back to me on this one. They were like, that's eh, kind of lazy. Yeah. People yell stuff out. He goes, attacks the crowd. And it's like, I'm not giving him money for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and whatever. I mean, if you yeah. had a good time. Good for you. you might, I mean, look, we sold out what eight shows in a week oh, at a ridiculous. two thousand seat venue or whatever. Did, something like that. Yeah, he so, yeah. yeah he sold them all. Out. Did you see? Did you see the Netflix special? I haven't even. Went out. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't know. I, I actually came away from it saying, "Wow, you know, he's yeah. really trying to relate." To... Okay, but here's the thing: I don't watch a lot of specials. Yeah, I remember you telling us because that. I see it live. Yeah, I like to see it live because I, I do want too. to see you know. Those spe- almost every special. I can't speak to this last Chappelle one, but they're all edited together from different sure. shows. Yeah, the crowd gets sweetened. Yeah, you know, if the joke doesn't work, it gets cut out. And I, as a comedian and as someone who teaches comedy, I want to see that. Yes, I want because I learn more about these comedians when they fuck up, right? Or oh when yeah, they do whatever. Right. I watch, you know, like Bill Burr. You know, going to the early show on Friday, I had to watch him sort of navigate the whole getting off on time thing. Yeah. And I thought Bill Burr actually, you know, one thing about it that I didn't like is he ran the fuck off that stage. Yeah, he did. At the early show. Yeah. And I know you got to flip the Fox, which is 5,000 people. Right. That's a tough thing to flip that in an hour and right. come back. But I was also kind of like, he could have stayed out and done a curtain call for, for 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, he was like, he got. I mean, he ran out because that's always the thing, you know, when you go to these shows with the no cameras and all that. Yeah. Because that's the Broadway thing, you know? Yeah. It's like when they do the curtain call. Yeah. You take your phone out because what are they going to do? Throw you out? The show's over. Exactly. So I'm like, if I could have got one good shot of Bill Burr sure. standing on stage, I tried and couldn't. I've taken a few you of know? the comedy cows at the very end. But, where, you know, yeah. but that's the thing. If you're right. going to do it when they say it's a no phone thing, right. you just do it at the end of the show. Springsteen on Broadway was exactly. that. You know, yeah, sure. Phones, you got to do it. 
But when it was curtain call and Bruce came out, baby, oh, everybody got their phones out. And, did. you know, so I was like, you know, and you do the I took the curtain call at Hades Town and all these things. Well, I don't know if you know they, at the uh, at the jet when Jack White has a concert, there's like a pouch. Yeah. You know, the pouch. That. I think yeah. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do it. I mean, you can still take it out, but you can't you know, use it during the show. It's just I don't know. That yeah. seems silly. to me. Yeah. But although, you know, the thing at Bill Burr, I don't know if you notice this, there were like these guys security guys walking up and down the aisles yeah and not like 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 you say the job i do at the comedy castle right i go hang on the wall i watch people i see something i walk over sure these guys were up and down the aisles all night long yeah about every 90 seconds like somebody policing. walked past like us. just actually and it's policing. just like you know what yeah fucking go sit down somewhere yeah it i does. paid money not to watch your stupid ass walk up and down right and your job is to stop people from taking pictures fuck you right you go stand over there and you watch <laughs> right but they get these marching orders these oh, security companies yeah and, and you know some of this could have come from bill yeah you know he's got rules that they have he's to follow say, for him yeah, to perform absolutely. but that just seemed draconian and ridiculous. It, do- it does yeah it kind of took the fun out of it a little tiny bit yeah, I, I, to, I to do it to enforce it that way. I agree. I think yeah. it, it puts a little bit of a damper on yeah. the proceedings. Don't do that. Totally shit. agree. It's no. Stupid. All right, <laughs> let's move over to who was at the comedy castle. Let's yeah. start with Dave Attell. Yeah, uh, amazing as always. As always, as yeah. always. My first time I'd ever seen him, and I was uh, very, very impressed. We sat uh, sort of towards the back, so I actually like sitting in the back at the comedy castle. You I always I, sit close, Jason. I usually do, <laughs> but for Attell, well, see, I was. I was uh, performing at a different club that night, so I got my tickets late. Yeah, I and, but I was happy to be in the room. I didn't care. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, he's. Uh, you know, I don't even really know how to describe it. First of all, his openers were great. Too. Yeah. I thought they were so fun. Right. Then they, all three of them were on the stage at the yes. end there. Uh, it was Alex Price and Ian Fidance. Yes, those guys and were. Ian is is sort of like Dave's handpicked guy that goes with them. Yeah. And then Alex, uh, if you guys don't know Alex Price in the Detroit scene, he's from Indiana. Yes. He does a lot of shows in Michigan. Yeah. Now, and he had worked with Dave, uh, I guess, in Indiana. Okay. Um, but, but I'll let you finish. But let me just That's tell okay. the, the Alex Price story. Real yeah. Because I talked to him. Alex should really be on the show because he's a fucking riot. Yeah, he's really funny. Um, and he's like six foot nine oh, and four pounds. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's really funny. Big fella. Big, funny looking giant man. And yeah, stuff. big Indiana guy. Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, you know, you worked with Attell in, in Indiana. So did he ask you to do this? He goes, no. Here's how I got the Attell gig. When I hit up Mark Ridley to get a date in 2021, right. I put in there, I'd love to work with Dave Attell. Really? He said, that's how he got the gig. Really? When Mark booked Dave Attell, he remembered Alex said, I'd love to work with Dave Attell. Wow. He got the date with Dave Attell because he asked for it. That's great. So if you're a comic it's listening a to this show, or yeah. you, Jason, sure, and you say, oh, this is my favorite guy, and he comes through once a year, and I'd really love to work with him, let Mark Ridley know. Yeah. You never know what happens. Yeah, I don't think people would even, they would just probably assume that that would matter yeah, at all. Yeah, they would but... assume it wouldn't matter, but it's like, hey, you shoot your shot. Yeah. Alex did. Next thing you know, he's working. And, you know, Attell likes him, so that sure. helped. And but, he's very funny. And yeah, I think and he's... He is, he's great. It's a good fit with Dave. Yeah. But... I mean, he got the gig because he asked for it. Well, I mean, what's the harm? And, yeah. and you know, I don't. Well, the harm is people think that you're ordering Ridley around in a way. You word it Mark, properly. Mark must have his way of doing things. Sure. And maybe I fall into that. And maybe I don't. And if I don't, that's okay. I'll work for so and so in the sure. middle of July and not work with the right. towel. Yeah. And Alex just said, I want to work with the towel. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think I can I can tell you, and I'm sure you know this because you hear it in class. Yeah. I think everybody sort of like 
in their own mind has an idea of how things work, and yeah. then they tell each other. Yeah. But nobody really knows for sure. And so there's no set thing. It's right. sort of like, you know, so Ian Finance is Dave's guy. He brings that opener guy. You know, sure. Sure. The guy, the feature act. Okay? He was the middle act. Nuts, man. And Ian was really so funny. funny. And then he does the bumping mic things with <laughs> Ian. Yeah. And they do that. So if you've seen the bumping mics Netflix special with uh, Jeff Ross, yeah. when Dave goes on on the road by himself, he uses his opening acts. Right. So this time it was Ian Finance. It was Louis Katz the last time he was in, ta- yeah. in town. Nicole Schreiber uh, yeah. works with Dave a lot. So if you guys know Nicole. Yeah, yeah. Um, she'll do that with him, and she's very funny. And one of his favorites... Uh, when he would come to Detroit, because Mark would put him with him because they liked each other, was Corey. So oh, Corey yeah, Hall yeah, yeah. would do that with Oh, the no kidding. Nice. And those two were unbelievable together. Really? And, you know, Dave came to town, and I was kind of like, you know, I was driving Dave around the first night. And, this uh, this time to, around? Yeah, yeah. And I said, to, hey, I don't know if you heard, but, you know, since you've been here last, you know, Corey passed away. Right. And he was like, oh, man, he was all bummed out because he yeah. really liked Corey. So yeah. he uh, he acknowledged it. And, you know, he says, he says I, so I don't really want to do anything, you know, because I said, well, you know, there's a memorial wall at the funeral home for sure. him. And he did read all that. I don't know if he left anything. Sure. But, but he did care a lot about Corey. He seemed know, like a really – I didn't I didn't hang around and meet him, but he seemed yeah. like a great guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. And Bill Dave Lodge just told real, me he's one of his okay, favorites. Okay, I'm going to – I'm a, I'm gonna. If you think David tells like this grumpy dick, I'm gonna ruin that for you yeah, right now. No, I didn't. If you're listening to this, yeah, okay. Here's one of Dave's moves that I love. Comes in first night, so Thursday night. Dave comes in with giant <laughs> drugstore bags full of candy. Ah. And he goes behind the bar at the Comedy Castle and he drops them off at the waitress station. Ah. So the waitresses have an unlimited supply of candy for the weekend, courtesy of Dave. Night one. That's so sweet. Okay. Yeah. Then Dave, usually pretty good if you're driving him around like I will. At the end of the weekend, he goes in his wallet, gets a couple 20s out, hands them to you. Aww. He's a great guy like Yeah, that. he is. Not everybody does that. Sure. You don't expect them to do it. No. It's our job to take care of Dave when he's in town. We do that, and he's always very good about that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, talking to uh, Bill Lodge, he, he talks very yeah. highly of Dave. Yeah, he likes Bill a lot. Yeah. You know, we, we've been working with him for 10 years. Sure. You know, coming in every year or so. And I think that's what we love to hear because we we admire these guys and you guys know them a lot more than we do so when we hear really positive things yeah. i think that we really like them it endears and, them even more and you know we haven't even really talked about his jokes but i mean yeah. unbelievable oh Up there you know, I, yeah like i describe david tells jokes as like they're like sort of these surrealistic yeah. Thing. Right. Like he comes up with these weird lines. Yeah. But they make sense at the same time, even though they're very bizarre. He's got his recorder the up there lines, and he's yeah. playing it. Well, and he, everything. The recorder thing was new. Yeah. Where he played the recorder that on was stage. That's funny. I feel like he came up with that in the pandemic, like sitting at it's, home. It's or just, something. it's funny. It's a yeah. recorder. You he know? tells a joke and then he plays the recorder in between. Because <laughs> you see guitar acts and they strum right. and they tell they, the joke they, they chatter. So why not do it? He kind of did that with a recorder. A G F whatever. Um, yeah, he did. A, I don't think he did this joke the last time he was around, but just one of my funny, the funniest to tell jokes uh, that I always think about is uh, he talks about uh, you know I would blow a midget. <laughs> I would blow a midget, and I and I would blow a midget because I know his dick must taste like toys. <laughs> It doesn't even make sense, but, but it does. But it does. It doesn't make sense, but it does. It does. Yeah. And it's just funny. And it's just—I mean, I could do more of his jokes, but I—I I think that one he's probably retired. At this point. Sure, sure. But I mean, his Confederate flag thing. Just, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's—it's it's genius. I it mean, I—I I always say he's the funniest. You know. Of people I've seen live, I is think he? Dave Attell might be the funniest. He's the guy, guy then. The guy who made well, Robert Schimmel was that guy for me. 
when I got started. And yeah. Robert's been dead for 10 years now. Right. But for me, it was Robert Schimmel. But since I've been a comedian and worked in the clubs, it's Attell. That's my favorite guy to watch. How old is Attell now? Don't know. He's getting up there. He's getting he's up a little, there. little old. He's I mean, up there. Well, he's he's looked like an old. You know, he's 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 done the old man homeless look. Yeah, he for a has. good twenty years now. Okay, yeah. So he sort of hides his age by sure. Just always That's looking like smart, shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's this brilliant, is man. Yeah, he's great. Brilliant guy. Um, who else did we see? Uh, Brad Williams oh, last week. He's probably talk about Brad Williams. Yeah, he's definitely in my top five. I've saw. So I saw him two years ago at the castle. I think he just did a Sunday event. Yeah, I think he, he just two. did a couple nights, and I missed those shows. Okay, I yeah. Was, oh, at the Gathering of the Juggalos or doing something. <laughs> I just remember seeing him. And then during the pandemic, Amanda and I actually drove to Cleveland to see him. Oh, okay. At uh, Hilarities because we, we were just following who we wanted to see. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, man, he just, uh, you know, obviously a lot of his humor is based on being a small person. Mm-hmm. But I actually think he has charisma and talent, I feel strongly that he would be a great comic if he had gone down that road and not been a small person. Yeah. So I don't think yeah, that's oh, sure. everything. Yeah. You know, he's just yeah. so great. Great energy. Um, you know, I think I took my parents to see him because we loved him. So I might, okay. I've never seen my dad laugh that yeah. hard. You know, um, what was your take on it? I thought he was great. I mean, I, there are a couple things about uh, Brad that I think. Well, first of all, he's a he. You know, he's a short guy. Yeah. He's a little person. Little person. Yeah. And he does do the little person jokes. Sure, of course. Which, but you expect that from him. Yes. And he does them in a way that is really like, you know, like he talks about <laughs> himself. It's not like you know the midget jokes you read in a joke book or something right. like that. He talks about how it affects his life, and sure. he also does stuff about. You know, my wife is tall and I like, you know, I, like, I got one of yours. Stuff. Yeah, yeah you know, which is really funny. But I also think he's very much kind of like we talked about. A te- uh, we talked about Burr and um, Chappelle. I think Brad Williams is a little bit of a throwback and not a throwback to like the 50s and 60s. No, but I do a throwback too. to Kennison. Yeah. A throwback to sort of Dice and just that personality yeah. of where it's just this alpha male personality very much so on stage he's a guy and i'm gonna get loud and i'm gonna yeah. get rowdy and i've never seen him live but i feel like burt kreischer kind of has that sure thing going for sure. him we're like this is a party and i'm gonna make you laugh right and it's all sort of right on he's not up there of, like i'm i'm a sensitive human and no, you know it's, it's not it's doing not, that and it's not political and it's not it, it just sort of makes you feel good um, it's not because, political, and it's also not politically correct. It's no, just sort no, of he, jokes, and it's dirty without being. You know, it's not just like when I talk about Dice and Kinnison, I'm not really talking about the material so much, but just the aura the of pers- that person yeah. on stage. What are they bringing? Yeah, like he's got swagger. He's got he, like he, he comes that on he does. stage, and it's like, oh fuck, this guy. Is this guy's gonna rip it up. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know? and uh, so in that respect, I thought. I mean, it was it was one of the better shows you'll ever see. Just based on that, just based on how the audience reacted to what he was doing, I think there was uh, a yeah. I think there was a lot to learn there too. For and I don't want to speak on something I don't know about personally, but you know he he when he talks about his being small, he considers it by definition a disability. And I think that I think we probably all know comics who have some type of disability, and 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 it's their story. But sometimes, boy, it's a tough sell because yeah. the audience like. They don't feel like they're allowed to laugh at it, yeah. even though they're sitting here telling you. Right. And sometimes it's the delivery where it's like, it almost sounds more like pitiful than it does like celebrating your differences. So that's what I love about Brad. You're like, I'm short and blah, 
that joke about the midget woman giving the black man the hand job where yeah. he's running up and down the city. It's fucking yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and I think someone else who's coming to the castle soon, uh, Josh Blue, okay, does that. Yeah. So he has cerebral palsy. Yeah. It is amazing comic. Yeah, Josh Blue's really good too. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah, I like Brad. It was the first time I'd ever, uh, even met him or anything. And he, he's, Behind the scenes, really great dude, too. Is he? Really easy. Good to know. No ego or anything, you know. Great to know. Funny dude, off stage. Yeah. Know, really. That definitely has a... He definitely parties, man. He had a couple... Oh. I think it was the Late Show Saturday oh. where it was like... He was getting he, it done. He, he asked for a drink, like, from the staff. Right. And so the waiter... We didn't know. Bill went and got him his whatever he asked for. Right. The waiter, who we didn't think was even paying attention, ended up getting him one. Uh-huh. And then I think someone from the crowd handed him one. <laughs> and sure enough, you know, he was three, four drinks in. Was he? On the Late Show Saturday. And, you know, for a, a guy that's four a small tall. fella, yeah. <laughs> well, I really like, too, after the... Four er- cocktails is a lot. I was going to say, that's a lot for us. Yeah. Um, I really like how, uh, you know, I, and I know a lot of guys do this, but it was just very gracious and wanted to meet everybody and i was happy to stand in line to meet oh him, yeah you, you, know. you took a picture with him right? i yeah. did yeah, yeah it was great and uh, i was standing there with my buddy ronnie Rohrbeck. we met him and it was great and um i just love not only that he's meeting people but he he's enthusiastic about meeting people i think yeah. that's really great. yeah definitely he's you know like, i want to meet everybody yeah i love that i'm triple vax let's do that <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah because in cleveland he didn't he did not come yeah. out at all well, was, and you know with with the guy that's there this week graham k he yes yeah. he goes uh you're okay if I don't meet people because of that? Yeah. And I go, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, go, and I, I say, do what you, you know, he, he did end up going out with the two masks on. Did he? And, and meeting some people that he came to. Whatever, whatever works. But yeah, I mean, I totally get that. But man, Brad's just like, I'm all, put my arm around everybody. I know. Oh, he was right. He was right there. So that was really cool. Yeah, Brad Williams is awesome. Uh, Mark Norman was just there as yeah. well. And Mark Norman, for those who don't know, I, I'm going to describe him as the ultimate comics comic. Yeah. Oh yeah, there there are more comics riding his nuts. Anytime he comes to Detroit for shows, there's just like he's like the Pied Piper of open my comics. He's you know? very it's, popular it's amongst the Detroit. Like, and I know because he talks a lot about comedy. I know if you do, um, like if you're on his Patreon, he has like online classes that that he teaches. Does he? Right, because he's just his writing's unbelievable. Yeah. He's so funny. He also will do the political thing. He will do that, and right. he will do things that are, um, you know, not politically correct. And he says them, but he makes sense, and he's kind of likable. And, you know, his thing, have you ever seen Norman ever or watched not, his special? Or I've seen his special. Uh, I, as I told you off camera, or off, I had tickets to the show. It was the night yeah. of the Oxford Vigil, right. so I sold them to my buddy. But he, uh, yeah, he was there that week. Well, yeah. I'll tell you about that in a second. Sure. But he, he does that thing where it's like, comedy? Like yeah. He tells the joke and he's like, comedy. Yeah, yeah, He'll yeah. Point to the sign. Yeah. This is Mark Ruiz comedy. Comedy. Yeah. You know? I, w- hey. I was not shocked to find out that somebody who we both know, Tyler Nissen, that's one of his favorite comics. Yeah. I feel like Tyler oh, sure. has a has a little bit. He has his own thing. There's with a little Mark I'm Norman. I'm telling you, without naming names, yeah. there are, uh, I mean, I could give you a half a dozen guys right now that were just there at one or more of the shows. Like, can I meet Mark? I got to meet Mark. Oh, really? You know, yeah. Yeah. We'll get, you know. Yeah. And some guys Mark knows from being here before. And, and you know, to his credit, yeah. you know, people hit him up on social media and he's like, yeah, man, come to the show. We'll sure. hang out. We'll go sure. have some food. Yeah. I've, I have noticed and that he is kind of the cool guy. He's like that. Yeah. He seems like a cool dude. I'm probably ruining his life to say, yeah, hit up Mark Norman. He'll hang out with him. <laughs> but they, he, that seems to be the... Seems to be his MO. He, right. He's very cool about that. And, no, he seems uh, like a good dude. But, you know, with the Oxford thing... Okay. So he did a joke. This is Thursday. 
Thursday. The actual shooting's Tuesday. Right. He's there Thursday night. Yeah. And he had a bit, and I'm sure it's a bit he's been doing about, you know, the diff, uh, the difference between the generations, you know. He's like, you can't really, the holidays are ruined because grandpa and the grandkids, <laughs> you know, they're entirely different. And the grandpa thinks the new kids are soft. And he's saying to his grandson, ah, you kids are soft. All you're doing is on your computers. Uh, when I was your age, I was getting shot at in Vietnam. Right. And, and the grandson's like, well, yeah, grandpa, I got shot in homeroom. Uh, and he does this joke. Sure. How did, Two days after the Oxford shooting. How did it? And he goes, oh, man. He goes, I forgot that thing was here. He goes, how close are we to Oxford? And he's like, oh, 15 minutes? Yeah, that's, uh, I probably shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Do you and think he would genuinely, on. like, was like, fuck. Yeah. He moved on. He does it. Yeah. Show ends. I go up to him. I go, hey, man, you know, it's like, uh, you, you forgot about the shooting, didn't you? He goes, yeah, I did. Okay. And I go, hey, man, I look, you know, no one's mad at you. No, it happens. You know it was a mistake. And, yeah. You know, you do your thing. And I said, hey, how are you to know there's a shooting here? I, and, you know, me being affable. <laughs> trying to make some light of the situation. I go, hey, every town's going to get one, and it was just our time to get well, one. The post even, office? Yeah, is like, that the 90? No, it, I'm just talking about the shooting. Oh, the you know, and I'm saying, Oxford, hey, yeah. how would you know? I mean, every town's going to get one yeah, exactly. eventually. Yeah, so yeah. It's just bad timing. You happen to of come yeah, I mean, time when it happened in Detroit. So there you go. So we kind of had a laugh about that. How did it? How did the crowd react? No, they were fine with it. They accepted yeah. his apology. So then, you know, the Friday comes up. You know, after we have this talk, Sure enough, he goes up there and he goes, and he goes, and then Grandpa says to his son, ah, "I was getting shot in Vietnam," and the kid says, "I was getting shot in Homer." Ah. and it's like, ooh, like he liked that. Okay, like he, I think he thought about it and said, "You know what? I like making people uncomfortable." Sure. Then I'll do the little apology thing. Yeah. And then he even at one point he on one of the shows he goes he goes. I guess every town's going to get one sometime. It just happened to be a time, which is my which joke your line, that yeah. I told him. And yeah. he had another sort of uh, – so yeah. he was using that energy. Sure. That sort of – he was making it awkward. Yeah. And then trying to – like using – like I think he was challenging himself to say, can I do this joke? Which is a phenomenal joke. Sure. Yeah, it is good. To say that, I mean, it, yeah. it really says a lot about you know the generations and what the kids today have oh, to go through. it does. To say, oh, I got shot in homeroom. And to do that – in the town where it just happened, right. it takes balls. I would not recommend people do that. Yeah. But to him, it's like to him, it's like how is he solving the riddle of how can I do this joke? How can I make this work? How can I make these people not hate me and still do the joke? And he got away with it. It I, was really he really is good that way. I, I mean, since since you've said it, as I think about it, because okay, so real quick, without naming naming names, obviously, right after the shooting, I had a couple friends who know how tight I am with Oxford who were like. Yeah, we're at the shitty open mic yeah, and some oh, oh, yeah. fucking hack. Stories too, I'm yeah. sure, yeah. But when you, when you, as you just told me the Mark Norman joke, as I'm thinking about it, I would not think like, oh, he thinks it's funny. Kids got killed. Yeah, on, the, yeah, and yeah. It's on the contrary, no, absolutely, you're very much it's saying, disturbed by yeah, it. Our generation's fucked up because they're right. shot at in school. We yeah. have to do something about this. Yeah, you know? see, I wouldn't even yeah. put that on the table as far as yeah. oh, he made fun of you know, he's not well, making fun of Mark the kids. Norman is like I said, he's maybe the best joke writer out there one of them for right. sure especially writing about that and those you know, social things and yeah you know, he, he starts jokes about transgender and <clears throat> talks about that but his skill yeah he's up here you know I'm right put my hand way up high for those e-listeners <laughs> you know these open mic guys yeah. they're down here of course they don't get there's subtleties in what mark norman's doing nuance versus 
you know, some other joke that some guy on open mic's going to do. And it's also like when you see Mark Norman, you might expect that. You bought a ticket. You're seeing Mark Norman. I expect he's going to talk about everything that's in the news because he's Mark Norman. That's what he does. Of course. When people are going to see open mic oh. and, you know, even if they're going to see their friend, yeah. you know, the 12 other guys oh. on that show, they're not there to see them. And so people say stuff and they're going to get pissed off. And I understand that. When, <laughs> when the Ferguson, Missouri shooting happened, oh, yeah. you know, that was years and years ago. 14, yeah. the whole thing. You know. I open mic the next week at the Comedy Castle. I'm working the door and just hack city. Just bunch of guys doing Ferguson jokes, uh. and there was more than one person in the crowd that got up, angrily yelled something towards the stage and ran out of the club. Right, and you know the club doesn't want that. No, and it's just sort of like people. You think you're being edgy or funny because you see these guys doing it and you want to do it. And maybe you think you're getting a rise out of the other comedians because, right. hey, watch me do this joke. You're not right. supposed to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. But you're really just hurting yourself. Totally. You know, I mean, look, totally. if people are paying money to see you talk about those kind of things, then it's acceptable. Sure. On a, just an open mic where you're Joe Blow until you're known. So you're just hurting yourself or. You know, someone could, and the Comedy Castle doesn't really do this, but someone could say, well, you know what? I don't want this guy on my show anymore. Right. What's he going to talk about next time? Something else is going to happen. He's gonna yeah, he's going to jump right on top of it. And, and plus, you're losing audience members. Those audience members could go home. They write a review on Google or Facebook about your club. Yeah. This guy said an awful thing about Oxford. This guy said an sure. awful thing about Ferguson. And, you know, why would go there? And then people don't go to your place. And, you know, you can see where that... The sad thing about that is you could... I mean, I, I don't like that stuff, but I also am big about, like, I'm not going to police that. And, you know, people, I, I always feel like the audience is the ultimate judge. If you think, you know, not Mark Norman, but if some open mic person thinks, you think a bunch of uh, dead teenagers is hilarious, go for it. And yeah, you just and let, that, see, and, and see that, what happens. You that's know? not Norman's thing, but no, I've heard not at about all. this mic for more. You know, you're the third or fourth person that's brought this up to me about, like, I was at this show and people were doing Oxford jokes. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, what the fuck are they thinking? Right. You know, I mean, right. you just can't, you know, I don't mean, do it. is the audience, I mean, yeah, I don't know what you expect. And like you said, I know there's some people like, oh, it's so good when they hate me. It's like, you're not good enough probably to like yeah. invite that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't even have enough time if you turn them against you to win them back in a six minute set somewhere. No, I'm you not know? afraid so, to say I, I really want them to like me. I mean, that's why I'm doing it. You know, I really do. That, well, hey, yeah. look at Brad Williams. Right. How much do they like him? Oh. How much money is he making? Oh, you know? oh I'm sure he's and making the, some good bank. And I think I don't think it's the obligation of every comedian for the audience to love you. I don't uh -huh. think that's your thing. I think there's plenty of great comedians yeah. who, you know, the audience, uh, maybe some people left uh, not liking the show or whatever. Right. But there's lots of people that went, and there's lots of people that liked it. It's the bottom and line. And when you get to start to playing to those audiences where they're coming for you, they're not coming because it's a birthday party. Right. They're not coming because it's a bachelorette party. Right. They're coming because they want to see you tell jokes. Then it all gets easier. Then the, you start to throw the rules out the window sure. and say, you do whatever you want. Right. You're just playing to you're, you're playing you're preaching to the choir at that point. You there's a uh, there's a signature in the comedy castle in the and backstage between the podium and the green room and I okay. forget who it is, but I always look at it and it says uh it's only funny if the audience laughs. Yeah. And I and it's so simple, yeah, but I think yeah. about that all the time. It's yeah, so it's, true. It's it's a very simple rule to follow and yeah. it's sort of like you know, I, I mean, look, maybe you have the skill to pull that off like Mark Norman. Right. But you probably don't. Right. And understand you know, <laughs> Right. 
do the what did they laugh at last week? Why not do that? Right. Do you have to write a joke about everything that happens in the news every right. single night? Well, you even happen? told us about in class about like topical humor, yeah. like you know, it's this kind of burns itself out really like quickly. It's dated quickly, right? You know, I mean, you can you can do those jokes, but yeah, you know, but it, yeah, because it, I mean, the national news we had. All the CNN, Fox, and everything right down the road, and yeah. then then the tornado tornadoes happen, yeah, and the, boom, gone. Yeah, They're on to the next thing. All that stuff, yeah. yeah, which is very sad too. Yeah. So anyway, but Norman, unbelievable. Yeah. If you if you're a comic and you want to uh, get inspired, sure. I think Mark Norman's definitely a guy that you should be you know listening to his podcast, watching his specials, totally buying a ticket to go see him. He's unbelievable. Atel, genius. We are living in the time of a genius. Yeah, we are comedian. We're lucky. So if you get a chance to see Atel, because I think the thing with Atel more than maybe even Brad Williams and Norman is that there's not a lot of great Atel specials. Right. There are Atel specials, and he did Insomniac, and he did the. Sure. Uh, it was an underground thing where he was kind of the host of yeah. a multi-person, you know, live thing. But you're um, right. There isn't a lot of like likes on Netflix is great. Sure. But to see a tell live is really worth the money. Well, now now that I'm grown up, I feel like I did when I was a kid and a new Star Wars movie would come out. When I see like a Mark Norman or a David yeah. Tell, and I'm like, even Sam Morell, who was a yeah, few Sam months Morell's ago, was unbelievable. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, love it. All right, so just we're going to put a bow on the comedy thing by yeah. me saying <laughs> the next advanced comedy class starts January 8th, 2020 at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. So if you want to be part of the advanced comedy class and you have a little experience in comedy, that's what you yeah. need yep. to do the advanced comedy class. So if yeah. you did the beginner class yep. at the Comedy Castle, you want to do the advanced class, you're welcome to do it. Totally. If you're a comic that's been doing it for three, four years, because a lot of guys will be like, I did comedy, like with Robert Schneider. I was doing comedy in Kansas City for three years. Right. Uh, can I, do I have to take the beginner class? In that case, you don't. Right. You want to take the advanced class, work with me, talk about stuff like this. Sure. Uh, we're going to do that. January 8th is the next time. I'll tell you, the group that finished, uh, they finished this week. Yeah. So I had, you know, I was living in this hotel room. Yeah, yeah. The whole COVID drama. Yeah. On Monday and Tuesday, we went in on Wednesday. I saw people have unbelievably great sets. Great. Like, and I was talking to them. They said, this is the best set I've ever had. Of course. And I'm like, that's the goal. Yeah. You know, are you better than when you started the class? Yes. Did you have the best set of your career in front of 100 people and did you get it on tape? Yes. That's the best. Well, then you did it. Yeah. That's why you took the class. Yeah. Mission accomplished. So, there you go. Real real quick. Yeah. It was crazy. I still have not ever, ever played to a bigger crowd than I did uh, the showcase at Bouchard's class. We had yeah, 370, yeah, yeah, right, which yeah. was insane. Yeah. But I just want to say, too, um, for coming up at the Comedy Castle as well, the uh, the finals of Detroit to L.A. are in oh, early sure, January. Yeah. I just hosted one of the semifinals. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's going to be it's gonna be great. And I don't know how much stock people put in contests, but I can – I've been following it since the summer, going as many as I can, and that place has been rocking for these shows. I oh, mean, sure, absolutely, yeah, absolutely so much fun. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that now it's funny. When you take my class, and you know this because you took it, right? I tell you that, you know, hey, comedy contest, kind of bullshit. Sure. The one that we run at the Comedy Castle is trying to be as legit as you can be. Sure. You know, it is that. Yeah. But here's the other thing. And I say, you know, you probably, you might be better off not doing a comedy class because you might be upset that you didn't win. Yeah. I believe half of the finals field has done my class. <laughs> right, right. So I'll, so it's like... I'll show you. Yeah. yeah, but no. It's like my students end up winning these fucking things. <laughs> even though I tell them probably don't do contests because they're bullshitting on some level. Sure. But they do them and they win and everybody has a good time. So we're going to have some really great people out on... I think that's January 11th. Yeah, I think, and I, I think too, honestly, if you would have laid out the field and just said, who do you think will be in the final? 
I mean, you got people on there that I would say are some of the be- very sure. best amongst yeah. us. And the other thing, uh, in the Comedy Castle coming up uh, in 2022, two of my favorite comics, T.J. Miller's coming. Yeah. And Josh Blue is coming, as sure. I mentioned. And there's a lot of others sprinkled yeah. in there. So Definitely. great job, Mr. Ridley, putting all those shows castle, together. Get to the class on <sighs> January 8th. You said you were going to be doing it? Doing what? The class? I am. This would be my third time. I am seriously considering it. Okay, so he's I, not officially in. <laughs> we have not finally assigned Jason to the next advanced conference. I just, you know, I kind of, for the, I was doing really well, and the Oxford thing happened, and I honestly, my head and heart was not into it, no, even I at Detroit it. to L.A., and oh. I kind of felt like I needed a boost, so we'll see. You Go know who would be good for the comedy class? Who? Your wife. I know. Thank you. Yes. That's what I said. <laughs> I said that, too. Now, um, I've, Yes. She'd be great in it because she, I know she's hosting shows now. She did. And she's doing that promoting end with you. She does. She produces. She knows that, that stuff. she hosted the mic one and night at Ridley's. She, you know, she she's right there. Thank you. And I think if you, you know, look, you don't need to take the class to work at the Comedy Castle, but sure. you know, maybe taking the next hurt. step, it might put it more into perspective. And I and I think she would just have so much yeah. fun. Uh, we just did real quick a, a private show in Holly. And she hosted it and just, I mean, she absolutely yeah. smashed it. Was all, it's great. all clean. It's all yeah. clean. It's all good. And, and, you know, the guy, Thank Jason you. Fuller, hosted this last. Yeah. He was in my class. So he hosted the yeah. showcase Wednesday. Yeah, I love Jay. And he's, you know, he really feels like he's on his way now. And I think good. he is. I mean, I feel like, you know, good. he kind of, you know, because we were talking about, well, should I host the showcase or should I just go later and try to have, like, this great set later and i go jason i feel like you're a great host yeah and i mean like if if hosting is the job and this is what i taught my class hosting's the job you're gonna get hired to do right and the better host you can be the more valuable you're gonna be to these clubs starting out i like i think it's fun and you know but a lot of guys don't think that i know i said jason get your mindset into if a club's gonna hire you they're gonna hire you to be an mc right so yeah you might have a tape from the castle where you rock the house in a way but i said Hosting a comedy castle show with all those people there right. is also impressive. Sure. If the club knows what they're looking for. Right. You know, if the club's looking for I need a great host. Right. And you have a great tape of you doing that, it's gonna be unbelievable for you. So and he did that and he did a wonderful job. I'm so. glad. I love Jason. Yeah, I, I think Jason did a great he's job. He's a great man. So. The uh yeah. it, that's a lot of responsibility too. I would even say you and I talk about this. Sometimes Hosting the open mics even harder than hosting oh, the weekend because yeah, yeah. the shit it. is just constantly. It, it's constant, and, and, and like your opening set is never as good as no. it would be going later. But no, that Mark Ridley will tell you the host is the most important spot on the show. Yep, and if you get good at it, and I teach you that in the class. Yeah, you can get some work out of it. I mean, Do people it. will call on you. All right, let's move on here. Rolling Stones. I saw yeah. them November. Yeah, at uh, was that at Ford, Ford Field? That, have you been to shows there before? Uh, I saw a couple things at Ford Field. I saw you two. Yes, doing the Joshua Tree tour. Oh yeah, I saw that in Cleveland, but yeah, it was very good. Yeah, I also saw, and this was with Miss Layla. Okay. Uh, we saw. Oh God, I'm fucking blanking his name. Oh. The redheaded guy, Ed Sheeran. I actually thought you were going to say Carrot Top. Well, we say, yeah, believe me, when Carrot Top's playing Ford Field, yeah. lower me into the ground. But here's the thing. Actually, you know, I saw Carrot Top once. It was fine. I, I did. I, I thought he's funny. My friend Ben Constantine was opening at Meadowbrook. Okay. And I said to Ben, I said, you know what? I'll come watch that show. And he goes, I'll comp you some tickets. And I went. I saw him in Vegas. He's hilarious. I went, I went for free. And I laughed. It was great. Yeah. That's it. I'm um, sorry. Uh, but so I saw Stone- Ed Sheeran. I saw yeah. you two there. And I'd seen the Stones in 1989, I oh think. Oh, my God. Was. At the Pontiac Silverdome. It was the only time I saw Stones live. That was, so I said, I'm overdue. 
Yeah. Charlie oh. died yeah. over the pandemic. I just loaded up on Rolling Stones books and Rolling Stones stuff. Just got into it. Just, I mean, I was always into it. Yeah. But now I was like, oh, I'm going deep. The deep dive. I'm going deep into the Stones as I've gone into the Beatles, which we'll get to in a second. Oh, hell yeah. And like, if you come to my house, man, the Beatles shelf is unbelievable at my sure. house. It's just so full. Of, you know, yeah. tons and tons of They're stuff. The greatest. So I, for now, you go to my house, tons of Stone stuff now. Right. My house. But anyway, so I said, I got to go. I know they're in their 80s or whatever. Let, let's go. Are they in their thing. 80s? I think Mick might be 80 wow. or somebody's. Charlie was Charlie was the oldest one. Yeah, yeah, he so was. So Charlie was 81, I think. How did he die? What did he die of? Or? He had cancer. Did he? Yeah. You know, Ronnie Ronnie Woods had cancer. Yeah. Um, Keith, I think, has died, been resurrected, yeah, Keith, died again. Keith, he he can't keeps kill. Di- uh, yeah. But, you know, Mick had uh, some heart valve replacement a couple years ago so mix not it's know. very not rock and roll but yeah whatever and they got steve jordan to play drums yep. who uh steve jordan if you saw the movie hail hail rock and roll the chuck right. berry documentary where keith uh, put a band together to back up uh chuck uh, he's the drummer from that okay and you hear lots of and the thing about that movie that's great i think that's one of the great rock and roll movies ever but uh you hear a lot of them talking about chuck berry's music why it works. And a lot of that is actually done by Steve. Okay. Uh, in that movie, because Steve understands rock and roll on like a sure. whole another level. He's like this genius oh, guy. Yeah. So when you hear Steve Jordan talking about rock and roll, and it's like, well, that's who they got to play drums for the Stones. Oh, that's somebody you listen to. Yeah, he's unbelievable. So, yeah. and, he, and he's uh, Keith Strummer. Right. Oh, and when they, he's solo? Uh, the Expensive Winos is the oh, <laughs> band. <laughs> Sounds like a group that Johnny Depp probably is part of at I some don't point. Know. Because Johnny Depp's a music, you know, we know he's a musician. Yeah, he's but he's uh, yeah, but yeah, it's Keith Richards. Hollywood Vampires. Um, Hollywood Vampires is yeah. their band, but yeah, Keith Richards, the expensive winos. Okay, that's just, the band. Steve Jordan, Waddy Wachtel plays guitar. If you know Waddy Wachtel, is it like yeah, I've heard of him. Is it like bluesy, like you would expect? It's Keith, you know, Keith made yeah. like you know when when Mick didn't want to do the Stones, Keith put together the expensive winos. Go do his own and thing. Made two records, I think. Um, Who's the Stones' primary songwriter? It's Mick and Keith together. It's together, yeah. And that's the thing I learned about the Stones that I didn't really know. And there's show, there's songs that, you know, Keith wrote pretty much everything. Yeah. There's songs that Mick pretty much writes. Kind of like the Beatles in that way. Yeah. Sometimes they collaborated. Yeah. Where, you know, Keith would write the riff and then Mick would write the words. Right. Um, but I think, you know, like when I read Keith's autobiography, Life, uh, he talked about Gimme Shelter. He right. was stand, sitting in his flat in London and it's raining outside. And he's like, I need to get some shelter. And he wrote the riff and he right. wrote all the words, you know, like he'll write the chorus of the song and then Mick will do the verses sometimes. Right. But like, Gimme Shelter was Keith. Yeah. Writing, you know, if I don't get some shelter, I'm going to fade away. You know, rape, murder is just a shot away. Yeah. He wrote all of that stuff. Wow. But, you know, Mick, I think Satisfaction, Keith wrote the riff and Mick wrote the words. Do they still write new material or no? I don't know. They haven't put out a new record. They put out their latest, their last thing they did. Like as a full album was like blues covers, so they kind of went back to their roots and did blues covers. So covers, um, but... and then they had like um, "Living in a Ghost Town," which was something they were working on. Yeah, it came out around the pandemic, which they had a cool video where they went out and just shot like the streets of New York. Cool, where like no one was on the streets, right? And uh, just living in a ghost, which isn't a great song, right? They did it. That was the shittiest part of the Rolling Stones concert was living in a ghost town. Did they do it? So, yeah, okay. they okay. did it as like, here's our new one, living in a ghost. Town. Uh, no one's there for that. <laughs> yeah, no one's there for that. But honestly, here's my review of it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Okay. You, 
the very best seats at the Rolling Stones, they do the platinum seat thing where it's like, hey, it's $2,000 and you get a lanyard and fuck all that. I know, seriously. Just a base ticket. Sure. Because they had standing tickets in the front. They had a couple hundred people standing. Like pit Pit, type of? Okay. 500. For pit? Base price. 500. No scalper. I was going to say not resale. Ticketmaster, $500 ticket. Okay. Okay. Then if you don't want to do that, and those were sold out. So I'm, I'm, I don't even have a ticket. So I'm three weeks out. I don't have a ticket. Okay. So I'm looking at these platinum seats every day, and they're in like the lower levels, you know, low rows, kind yeah. of right, like really good seats. Yeah. They're still like two grand. Well, two- three weeks out. Okay. <laughs> because they're platinum seats, so Ticketmaster is charging oh. two thousand dollars. Well, at three weeks out, they dropped the whole platinum seat thing. So all those seats that were platinum seats and didn't sell were now face value. Ooh, okay. So I jumped in and bought one of those lower, because I didn't want to stand for, because you have to get there at like five. Yeah, I don't like that. The stones go on at nine, so you got to stand. Because I do that for Springsteen a lot of times. Sure. I stand, but it's like you got to stand all day. I did that for Radiohead. It was was fine, but. It's fine, but you know, I was working the day job that day and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I want to stand for five hours. So I want a good lower seat. Yeah. Man, these platinum seats. So they went to face value. Which was? $400. Okay. That's what I bought. Per? One ticket. One ticket. <laughs> Layla goes, don't I get to go to the Stones? And I go, do you like the Stones? And she goes, no. And I said, well, I'm not going to spend $400 for you to see something that you ain't going to like. That you don't like, yeah. On a weeknight, on a Monday sure. night, when you got to get up at 5 the next day to go and to work. And you're not going to be enjoying it at so all. So I said, I'm going to the Stones alone. And Good. I did. And, I've done you know, that. And it was great. Yeah. I mean, I had no regret about going. But, you know, for that price, if it was 100 bucks. I said, oh, let's go. Yeah, you know, and I was talking to our, our friend Steve Hansen. Yeah, yeah, because he's a huge Stones fan. Yeah, we were actually chatting during the show, and I go, "Oh yeah," because I think I put on Facebook like, "Here's what a four hundred dollars seat looks like," and it was like a good seat. Sure, some people on there were like, "Oh, that's a horrible seat," and it's like, "No, Whatever. it's a great seat." They can't tell they're not there. Yeah, but Hansen was sitting on the floor in a chair well, for five hundred, and I think my view was better than his. Was he by himself? He was with his wife. Was he? Yeah. yeah. And you thought you were seeing better than Steve was? I think I had a better seat than Steve, but Steve had a great seat, too. Sure. But, you know, Steve's so tall, like, too, so he yeah, probably helped. Yeah, you know, so whatever. Yeah. You stand up. I stood for the whole show. Yeah. Right? But it's nice to sit for the opening act, and you sit. Between, I get you know. so worn out by that. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. So it was great. I mean, some of the things about the Stones that some of those songs, you know, the real, the satisfaction. Right. And things like you can't always get what you want. They seem very tired at this point. Oh, God. I would have liked if they would have gone a little deeper into the catalog. and Yeah. Done some, deeper, some of that, like, cuts. Exile on Main Street, like the deep cuts. Right. Deep cuts from Sticky Fingers. Sure. And Let It Bleed. That's the thing. Um, at a certain point, it becomes almost just a nostalgia greatest it, hits it thing. It was a little bit of that. Yeah. And then they do, like, they do one, um, like, audience vote song. Like okay. they give each town on Twitter, or whatever, three songs to pick, and are we? Pick, so it's not one they're doing every night. Okay, they rotate. And Detroit voted for Wild Horses. Okay, I which like is Wild. Good. Yeah, Wild I Horses like that is song. Great. You know, I have no problem with that. And then because they're in Detroit, they did a cover of a Motown song. Okay, they did. Was it Ain't Too Proud to Beg? Yeah, they did Ain't Too Proud to Beg, which nice. they had done years ago. Yeah. Um, but they don't do that in every town. So that was a little unique. Yeah. But then the rest of the set list is the same as everywhere. As else. everywhere. And you know, um, so you know, when you see those songs they've done a million times, eh, eh, get a little bit. Keith to... sings a couple. Yeah. Which Yeah. I love Keith and he's the but his voice is not there, his enthusiasm. Well, it's for like the just listening to gravel fall down on a Well, look up this song if you don't know it, if you're okay. listening. Connection. 
connection. By Which Keith is from Richards. like the mid '60s. It's kind of got a Motown thing. Okay. Like it's got kind of that Motown swing to it. Sure. Classic Motown. And Keith, I think Keith and Mick sang it together. But when they do it live now, it's like Mick is off having a cup of tea or something <laughs> and it's just Keith singing it yeah. and boy he and it's a it's a fun song to listen to the record sure he did not pull that one off yeah. at all yeah but, you know keith is up there and he makes his jokes in between the songs uh, right when you good to be here tonight <laughs> when you're my age it's good to be anyway uh, yeah, right. and everyone yeah. cracks everybody's uncle has used that one every yeah, christmas like, yeah but you know it, it's appropriate to keith sure you know um, but it was a great show. Yeah. I mean, look, you can't complain, man. The Stones, they got a great band backing them up. You know, no, they seven or eight guys. God bless them. They're girls. still here. We're lucky they're still yeah. here. And, you know, when they did, uh, when they did give me shelter because, you know, the, the girl backup singer, they come out, they had the little ramp to the middle, you know, the little walkway in the right. middle, the little center stage. And her and Mick are out there singing to each other, cool. you know, that rape murder part of right. you know, give me shelter. Everybody loves that was amazing. Yeah. I bet. But that's still great. And Mick, you know, Mick's. I gotta say, Mick is crazy in shape. Dude, he is. Tons I've of seen energy. Some of the backstage stuff. Uh, you know, he looks like he weighs eighty nine pounds. Oh, he does. See, uh, he's he's amazing. He is a. Now, I guess the thing with him is like his dad was a like a, a gym teacher. Okay. And like Mick, as a kid, was like a like a track star. Oh, and I can had see that. he's just wiry. Like, yeah, yeah, like had this like amazing uh, constitution and yeah. ability to to do athletic he, stuff as a kid. He must I mean, be in great health. So. so it was great. You know, is it worth four hundred bucks? I don't know. I figured I'd probably never see the Stones again live. Right. Right now, they don't have any tour dates announced for next year, and they're only getting older. Who knows? So just like all of us, so, but yeah. You know, I mean, I think if you lose Mick, it's over. Oh gosh. I think if you lose Keith, I think. Close. Yeah, I think you, I mean, you still got Ronnie, and you could get another right. guy to come in and kind of do. But now you're but at looking a certain at, point, yeah. You know, because to a lot of people, and I'm, I think I'm more in this boat. Like Ronnie's not really a stone, right? I don't be too controversial. Well, here. there's like, that. Yeah, you know, Ronnie started in the late seventies, right? Most of their classic stuff, Ronnie's not on it, right? You know, I mean, actually, most of their classic stuff that people know is Mick Taylor playing guitar right. with Keith. Right. You know, it wasn't even Brian Jones was dead. Mick Taylor comes in, fills, takes his spot. And then they made all of those classic records, Sticky Fingers and all those. Work. Right. That's, those are the Mick Taylor records. I think those are the best ones. Right. But. <laughs> it sounds like you know, a never-ending fan debate. Oh, yeah. Ron, Ronnie's been around, and Ronnie did all those 80s records and right. Tattoo You and all that stuff. So, you I know, Ronnie's. One, yeah. Ronnie, people love, and he's considered a real stone. You know, now well, there's considered just three stones because it's Ronnie, Mick, Mick and, and Keith. Keith. Yeah, you know, because Bill Wyman quit. Oh, in was he the... the early nineties? He was the original bass player. Bass player, okay. He quit, right. and the guy Daryl, whatever his name is, he's been playing bass for you know twenty, thirty years, whatever it is. Now. Okay, so there's been a little you bit know, of a, of but a but you know they're door. still not considered the real stones. You right, know, three now they're down to three stones. Right, but the Who tours are two guys. You know, the, yeah, that's yeah. been for a while. It's now. Pete and and and, uh, and Roger. I thought they sounded ghastly the last time I heard. Just bad. The I don't who? remember. What, yeah, I, remember. I went to their show two years ago. How was it? It was nice it because was they good. did it. They had a full symphony orchestra with them. That probably helped. So they got to do all the quadrophenia stuff. Oh, cool. And uh, you know, Roger doesn't sing great. Oh, that's anymore, and that might be from. what you were thinking. And yeah, you'd be right. Um, Pete did a couple numbers, and Pete sounded great. Did he? Yeah, I thought Pete sounded terrific, and he's got lots of energy still. So he does. I I, I love that. Uh, Robert Plant is still doing solo yeah. stuff, but I wish. And in 2007, they did a thing 
Zeppelin, but I, they're not they're not so old that they couldn't. I don't know. I don't know who doesn't want to do I think Zeppelin. He seems uninterested. I think it might be more Robert than Jimmy because yeah. you know Jimmy did stuff with David Coverdale, right? And I think they did Zeppelin songs when they toured. And then him and Robert actually did a, a, an album together. They did too. a record. And, yeah. yeah, I don't really know. And then you know you can go see Jason Bonham, right? If that's, I mean, some people think he's sure because he was the drummer. You know, his dad right. was the drummer. Right, right. But when they reformed, he was the drummer for whatever yeah. number of shows they did. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, if you see Robert Plant with Alison Krauss, yeah, I don't think you're getting a Zeppelin. You're song. not getting. I don't know that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. I don't think you're going to get when the levee breaks. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, the, the Robert Plant, Alison Krauss version. But yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I've never seen you know. I'm too young to have ever seen Zeppelin, so. Well, and I think too, you know, I have have McCartney and Ringo ever done? They probably have done stuff. Ringo will come out at the end of a Paul concert. Paul will come out at a Ringo concert. Okay, and do a couple numbers. And do a couple numbers. Like I think it was Ringo's birthday, and they didn't tell Ringo, but the rest of the guys in the band invited Paul. To come out and sing "Birthday," okay, with Ringo, Dan-a-nets. and if you watch the video, it's great because they're like because Ringo's out front, right? You know, because Ringo has another drummer, right? Because Ringo, he, yeah, he, there's another drummer with Ringo, and then Ringo sometimes if another guy's singing because it's the all star band, right? So when the guy from Toto, Steve Lukather, is yeah. sometimes the guitar player, so if they're going to do Africa, Ringo goes on the drums and Steve sings Africa, and they do sure. Toto's Africa. But, you know, if, if they're doing a Ringo song or Beatles song, Ringo comes out, you know, and right. does, you know. So Ringo's out front and said, we want to celebrate Ringo's birthday with a very special guest. Let's bring him out. And Ringo's standing there and they see Paul. Oh, wow. And, and, and you know, Ringo's like, oh, man, I can't believe it's Paul. And he yeah. goes, and he goes, you're ready. We're going to do what we're going to do. For-. And Ringo's like, what are we doing? He's we're doing birthday. And Ringo's like, how the fuck does that? You can see his mind going, how the fuck does that go? So you see Ringo get behind the kit. Oh, wow. And, you know, the first notes of birthday are that doop, 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 you know, yeah, that yeah, drum fill. Yeah. And you see Ringo kind of like watching the other guy. Like, oh, yeah. How do we play birthday? Yeah, I mean, think it's about really it. It's a really funny video. When's the last time he's... See it. Yeah. Yeah, probably in 1968 when well, they recorded it. Right. You know, probably wouldn't well, we, have played birthday. So right, no they reason. Did that was really fun. So, yeah, they, they did a few things. That's so great. They'll do like with a little help from my friends. Yeah. Paul will do that. And a classic somebody would want to hear, yeah. Um, but yeah, they don't really do stuff together, and I get that they yeah. don't want to do the Beatles. You know, they did the stuff with the three of them playing acoustic guitars, George, in the nineties. But yeah. that was like there was no audience. What they just got together and jammed. they got together at George's house and jammed, but they didn't play any Beatles songs. Really? Yeah. So it was kind of over when it was over. It was over. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they ever wanted to get somebody to be the fourth guy yeah doesn't seem right sometimes speaking of beatles yes get back yes disney plus yeah over thanksgiving i haven't seen it yet how Uh, is it it's eight hours if you're a beatles fan you're gonna lose your shit it's oh i can't wait to see what i mean by beatles fan is like a really big beatles fan yeah like you want to dig in deep (laughs) because eight hours is going to be too much for some people sure and i think part of it is that if you know how that went down and you'll see it in, in when you watch it is you know the first couple hours is they're not doing much Right. They're not really having a great time. They're not playing songs you know, and if they are, they're playing them terribly. Is this are this the sessions for Let It Be? It's the sessions that ultimately became Let, Let it, it Be. Let It Be, okay. They didn't really know. They thought it was going to be a concert. Okay. And there'd be this concert. The concert would be all new songs. So they weren't going to do the White Album stuff. Okay. Which had just come out. Right. 
They wanted to do all new songs, challenge themselves, yeah. play live, because they didn't want to do the thing with all the overdubs and stuff that they right. had been doing. Sgt. Pepper and the White Album right. had a lot of that. So they didn't want to do that. They wanted to play live in the room. And so they get together, and John and, and George didn't really bring much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul shows up with, you know, the long and winding road and let oh, it be. Yeah. And he's on the piano and he's wonderful. And the other guys don't really give a shit. Right. And then, um, you know, there's, of course, the famous scene where I think they're doing a song called uh, Two of Us, which is, I don't know if it's the first track on. They've reissued Let It Be in different yeah, versions. Yeah, I know. But, let It Be know, Naked. It's, it's and John all that. and Paul playing yeah. acoustic guitar. I love that know, song. Two of Us. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And George is sitting there and he's trying to fill in and. He looks at Paul and goes, I'll play, I, I'll play anything you want if you want me to, or I don't have to play at all. And it's just like, uh, George is giving the it to Paul. Tension, and, yeah. And, you know, Paul's being the boss because no one wants to be the boss. Sure, somebody Paul has being to. being the boss. Right. Well, George doesn't want to listen to Paul being the boss. Right. So he's pissed off. He'd like them to do his songs, which, you know, weren't great. I mean, he, they, they do rehearse something at one point. Yeah. But it really wasn't ready. You can sure. hear the lyrics aren't done. You'll, if you see the special, it's pretty funny. Yeah. But the lyrics he had for something before oh. Lennon kind of threw a couple in there to help him. And, right. Uh, um, see, so there is some fighting. You know, George quits at one point. You'll see all that in the movie. Um, Yoko Ono's hanging around, which is very strange. Although you have to see, give her credit. In this movie, Yoko does not do anything, you know openly awful to the band she's just kind of wallpaper the problem is is she's sitting there that she's there so imagine yeah. we're the beatles right now we're right. sitting in this room right me you you know if i'm if you're john lennon yoko's sitting right there Ugh. right next to you right while the four guys are trying to figure out a song yeah now she's not giving her input on the music or anything she's reading a magazine a lot of the time but it's, but it's just... still like why is she here right why does she need to be here now apparently what you don't see in the special is they have this meeting with george after he quits and i think one of george's conditions to come back was that yoko needed to go i remember hearing this yeah it's not really they don't really mention the special and when they do come back yoko's actually still there is she so they didn't get it, but it does get better. They do move studios and they end up, and then they end up playing on the roof and everybody knows that story. So, you know, you see a lot of the, how did the songs come together? One of the scenes that everybody really talks about is Paul showing up with his bass and he's just like going chucka, chucka, chucka. And he's doing this and George and Ringo, cause John was showed up late for, cause he was, he was on heroin at the time. Was he? Uh, he doesn't look too bad in this, so it's not yeah. that bad, but you know, he would be late just sure. cause that's him. That's yeah. That's how Corey Hall was with me. <laughs> and they're sitting there, and he's going chuka chuka, and you see literally George and Ringo wiping sleep out of their eyes. Uh. And George is like this; he's yawning with his mouth. I'm like, ah! And Paul just he's going chuka chuka, and he goes, "Get back to where you once belong." Oh, get back! Like Paul's writing this song as he's while playing. the two guys are yawning, sitting next to him. Incredible! And that's how he wrote "Get Back." Wow! Like, it's on film, and you'll see it in the shows. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing. It's that. great. It's eight hours. It's a lot for people to watch. I get that. Is it one hour slices? No, they're they're well. It goes by days. Okay. So each day gets its own little segment, and okay. then they kind of zoom in on the calendar. Here's the next day. Oh, okay. They circle the date for the concert that they're supposed to do, and right. you sort of the sort of the, you have this sort of ticking down to the date of the thing, and then date gets moved a couple times. Sure. So there's a lot of there's tension built in. Just of there's a time crunch. Ringo has to make a movie with Peter Sellers. They've only got Ringo for three weeks, and so at the end of those three weeks, 
the project is over. Right. Can they finish it in time? It's sort of this race against time. Yeah, I remember um, And, of that. course, the rooftop concert, you'll see the whole thing. Oh, cool. Which they never put out there. Yeah, I was going to say, you see snippets. Yeah, you see snippets in the other way it was released, and, and it was cut down. So they do multiple takes of Get Back. They do multiple takes of Don't Let Me Down on the roof. Oh, wow. You'll see all of those. Fantastic. Which is cool. Uh, yeah. And you see all the people on the street reacting to the Beatles. That sure. Um, if you're a Beatles fan, it's unbelievable. Yeah, huge. They restored the video. And the audio to look nice. I saw the trailer. It looked incredible. Yeah, here's the only problem is it, they, it's very colorful, but it is soft. Okay. So what would have been 16-millimeter film being very grainy, yeah. they kind of degrained it. Yeah, sometimes so that looks a little shiny. Some of the things is, yeah. like, and Paul's got a big beard, so sometimes from, like, a faraway shot, he's talking it doesn't look like his mouth lines up. Okay. Now, I think some of it is the audio just, especially in the early parts, just doesn't line up. Right. The audio just is from something else. And, yeah. and they kind of shot over somebody's shoulder yeah. to make it look like John is talking, but he's not talking. So that was a little distracting at times yeah. because what they did is they just ran these tape recorders all the time. Sometimes the cameras were running. Sometimes they weren't. And so there's some... Some sync issues. Overdubbing yeah. the yeah. audio yeah. stuff. Um, but it's really fun. If you if you love the Beatles, you gotta watch this thing. Yeah, definitely. It's incredible. It's like um, Christmas vacation. Eight hours is special. tough, but it's you know, I've watched the whole thing twice. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> since man. it was released three weeks ago, so I'm a big fan. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, you gotta watch it. Disney Plus, get it there. Yep. They may eventually release like a Blu-ray. Seems like something that they would probably. Have- yeah, and you know, if you know a Peter Jackson Blu-ray. Oh God! If you've ever seen the Lord of the Rings, you have to get it at Costco. Versions. It's like an economy yeah. size. And version. I got the Lord of the Rings extended editions. He puts lots right. of extra stuff on there. So sure. Hopefully, if the Beatles allow him to do that, he will do that. Yeah, because I don't think, as yeah. far as Disney Plus, I don't think you're going to see like the Mandalorian on Blu-ray anytime soon. Yeah, really that's a keep weird that. thing. But I think yeah. since the Beatles produced it, there yeah, they may might just have be to like say. a six-month window or a year window where sure. you can't. But I'm buying it if they put it. Absolutely, that's a for keeper. Sure. All right, uh, you want to, You got any TV stuff? I got a couple more things. Uh, to move on to movies. Sh- sh- yeah, you know, uh, I'm always I'm always pushing the show Animal Kingdom, and uh, okay. just finished season five. There's one more. Uh, you know, be, you know, the premise is based on the Australian movie Animal yeah, Kingdom. Yeah, I, I know the movie. Yeah, I had never seen the show. I see it advertised all the time. It's good. It's set. I in watch s- wrestling on TNT. Yeah, right. Animal Kingdom ads. It's uh, set in Southern California, or, uh, San Diego. So it's the same premise of yeah. mother matriarch and the boys are all criminals uh other than that i haven't had a a ton of time uh once we get to moves have a few of those but go yeah. ahead what's your well, TV? other than tv i haven't seen animal kingdom but i've heard it's good it's, um, it's uh, great, yeah. how to with john wilson season two is now on hbo max you ever seen it somebody was telling me about this Dude. no what's the premise again unbelievable yeah well it's, a, it's basically a guy who takes his camera out to the streets of new york okay and he just shoots whatever's happening in new york and then he overdubs his commentary. Okay. But he, it's kind of this loose thread, and he weaves things in, and he uses his footage. Like, the one that I just watched, the most recent episode, was How to Throw Away Batteries. Okay. He's like, I have my box. I got a box of batteries. You might have batteries. No one will take the batteries. I go to the – and they show him, you know, going to the recycling center. Oh, we don't take no, batteries. Yeah. And then he's like, well, it's amazing what people throw out on the streets of New York. And he shoots a shot of a trash can with a full Christmas tree in it. Oh. And then there's a this. And then he goes by a garbage can that's on fire in New York. And it's all this weird, <laughs> like, kind of collage of just random – it's very weird. but Observations. It's, it's funny. Yeah. He'll interview people that he finds relevant – 
Yeah. Sometimes the topic can completely veer completely off topic. You know, how to throw away batteries gets into what do we do with sex offenders and where do they live because they can't live anywhere. You know, so it's like right. it diverges and it sometimes gets deep. Um, he did an episode. What was the name of the, the topic of this one? Anyway, he talks about in his life, John, and John has a weird kind of creaky voice. Yeah. And it, you don't really see John much. Right. You really just hear him and you see this footage. Man of mystery. Um, but he talks about in college, he was in an acapella group. So, you know, acapella groups, you know, they sing oh, yeah. what acapella group is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they sing pop songs, but yeah. they'll have a guy like doing the bass, like boom, 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 like boom. Like a barbershop court. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to do that. Yeah. But, you know, that's what boom. they do. Yeah. But they'll do, you know, pop songs. They'll do, sure. you know, Beyonce songs, acapella. Right. And it's a group. And it's kind of what, uh, it's a little bit of what, like, Andy Bernard from The Office. Yeah. Kind of when you were talking about at Cornell, we were, yeah, right. here comes Treble. Right. Group. That's so funny. it's kind of like that. So John Wilson joins this acapella group in college, and he has all this footage of him in college. And he's like, and then we, were, we went to this acapella battle of the bands. And he goes, and he goes, and the, the organizer of this battle of the bands is Keith Ranieri. And they show people Keith Ranieri's high school or college picture. Keith Ranieri's the guy that ran the Nexium cult. Which wow. was which was the HBO series The Vow that was on a couple of years ago. So I guess in, in college, kind of an Easter egg, yeah, yeah. He was running these acapella groups, and apparently, like, because John Wilson tells the story, like the acapella, he was using the acapella group to recruit people for the. Cult. That makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Like, here's John Wilson with his HBO show, yeah, colliding with dropping this, that one. When you watch The Vow, you never heard about his acapella group, so you're watching this and like. I was watching this with my girlfriend, <laughs> and I knew this turn was happening because I read about it. And my girlfriend's not a huge fan of How To with John Wilson. Sure. Because she thinks it's too weird. Yeah. Her mouth, her jaw is like on the floor, like, what? Because we watched that Vow series yeah. about the next scene. That's crazy. And her mouth is on the floor. He's like, what? She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's and, really good, though, because yeah. you're already. You already got the people halfway in because yeah. they're already in your group. It's a really if, – if you want to watch How To With John Wilson, you have HBO Max, go watch season one because there's some brilliant stuff in there. And season two, they're like midway through. Unbelievable. I nice. love it. It's half hour. Fantastic. It's, um, and it's, it's executive produced by Nathan Fielder. Nathan Fielder. Nathan for you. Nathan. The, one of the funniest shows in the history of Comedy Central, Nathan for you. Look that up. Okay. Look that up. I, I, Nathan yeah. for you hasn't been on in like five years. Yeah, I was gonna say I missed that. They was did way four before or five I did seasons. comedy. Nathan for you. Nathan's a genius, and he's working on this show. Also, Pen Fifteen on Hulu just wrapped up its Pen final 15. season. Okay. This is where uh, it's 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 these ladies, uh, Maya and Anna. They're comedians. They're in their thirties. Okay. And they made a they made a show about them in middle school. Oh. And the conceit of that show is they play the middle schoolers. Ah, as these thirty-year-old women playing okay. middle schoolers, and they're amongst little. All kids. the kids are middle schoolers. That's All funny. the kid acts are middle schoolers, and they, you know they show them trying to do you know, and it gets like you know they get high school boyfriends in this final scene. Uh, now, the, did the kids like? Oh, why are you an adult? Or are they just like? No, no, no. Kids? They're kids. They're, they're kids. kids. Got it. They're kids. Now, granted, sometimes <laughs> you get the feeling where like they're standing. Uh, you know they're standing in a hole so they're like at eye level with the kids. <laughs> sure and they do this like in in i think the first or second season they did this thing where like they're at the dance and you know it's like this little boy actor and they're gonna kiss for the first time Ooh. and they have to shoot it in a way where they're not actually kissing oh yeah this boy. yeah that's that's so they kind of had to be creative with the <laughs> camera angles and stuff but then when they get the high school boyfriends this season they got like two 18 year old guys yeah so they can go so to they it. could kind of yeah figure you know 18 year old guys and yeah 
I'll tell you, that's a crazy show. It's really funny. That's good, man. It's really fun. It's kind of like Broad City yeah. in middle school. Okay. If you like Broad City, yeah, it's a really I, yeah. great show. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of got that vibe. And, you know, yeah. Maya's half Japanese. Yeah. So her mother is actually played by her real mom, who I guess was an actress. Okay. She plays sort of this overbearing Japanese mother. And it's, I think it's, I think it's in the early 90s. It sounds cool. I think it's like 95. Yeah. Just, it's like when they would have been that age. Right. In middle school. And they're what, in their 30s? Really, yeah. And they're yeah. in their actual 30s. So it's a really brilliant show. Yeah. I think they just wrapped. It might be the third season. Okay. But they're done with it. It's so it's over now. Whole thing's on. It's on Hulu. Really funny. I love Hulu. Great. Watch Pen15. And, and listen, I'm going to say the name of this next show. Okay. I'm guessing you didn't watch it. Okay. But you might have a reaction anyway. I watched Tiger King 2. Okay. Yeah, I I am not in the Tiger King did fandom. Did you watch Tiger King 1? No, I did not. Really? But but I, I know I know it is a pop everybody culture phenomenon. Tiger King. Yeah, not Here's this guy. My feeling is that everybody watched Tiger King and very few people have watched Tiger King 2. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's gotten as much hype. It, it hasn't. I'm going to tell you this. Okay. Tiger King 2 is great. Is it? It might be better than Tiger King 1. Why is there no well, hype? Here's the thing. Tiger King 1 was so weird. Yeah. And you meet this Joe Exotic guy and go to his place with all these tigers and it's crazy. Hey, Tiger King 2 is more about the aftermath of Tiger King 1. Of what happened, yeah. So he got arrested when... I'm spoiling Tiger King, but okay. give me a fucking break. <laughs> Everybody except Jason has seen it's Tiger King. It's been like King. two years. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, Joe Exotic is put in prison for attempting to murder for hire this lady, Carol Baskin, who was trying to shut down his zoo. She also rescues animals and she, whatever. They had this feud online. He hired a hitman to kill her, allegedly. And, you know, so what what the first thing you see, like the first episode is sort of the aftermath of the season. Okay. Joe Exotic's in jail. He's calling in from jail. So you're hearing his story that way. But what you find is that there was a free Joe Exotic. We're going to get President Trump to pardon Joe Exotic. Some group of guys. They get a private plane and all these guys that are raising money. Well, it turns out they're involved with pro-Trump. They go to Trump rallies to try to free Joe Exotic. Okay. There was a little date. Maybe this will take in your mind. Something happened on January 6th. <laughs> Guess who was there? They were there. Free Joe Exotic people. Oh, were they? Yeah, so you see that. That makes it into the show. It then. makes okay. it into the show. They're at the January 6th rally. Those little rascals. Is, yeah, yeah, that's bad. So the whole thing gets insane. Right. You're like, the Tiger King is now the Capitol riots. This what sounds way more interesting than the first one. It's interesting, yeah. yeah. And then they go into some other things. So another thing from season one. Then that pretty much the Joe Exotic stuff and freeing Joe Exotic, that's covered in the first episode. Second episode is what happened to Carol Baskin's husband. That's one of the big mysteries of season one. She was married to this guy who disappeared after all these years. He hadn't been found. Well, they go deep into this guy. Okay. He had a place in Costa Rica. What was he doing down there? And they investigate all that. So Joe Exotic's not even in that episode, really. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like it's kind of pulling yeah. away from so him. So it's got like a real true crime element. Yeah. Then there's other elements with some of the other characters that were in there. What were they up to? They go deeper into their background. So <laughs> it's a really interesting true... You know, To me, this is more of the real true crime stuff. Right. Where, where if Tiger King felt exploitive and just, here's this crazy gay... You know, hillbilly guy with a mullet who keeps tigers. This one really gets into sort of the nuts and bolts of what crime are these animal 
people doing. Right. And that really, I think, is really the takeaway from the whole Tiger King thing. It's like these animals, these zoos yeah. in these places, very shady business. It sounds like it. It's shady business. Yeah. And they're bad people. Yeah. And they're doing bad things to cover up for the bad things that they're doing to the animals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not – even if you go like, I don't really care about the animals. Yeah. They're doing things to cover up for the things they're doing with the animals that will make you sick. And, yeah. You know. you know. So I really enjoyed Tiger King 2. Is there enough to stretch it to three? Well, they've already announced Have the they next really? season of Tiger King. It's just there, an ongoing thing. There then. was a guy named Doc Antle in Tiger King 1. Okay. And he had his own zoo. I think he's in like South Carolina or something. But his zoo – he was famous for giving Britney Spears the snakes. Remember the Britney Spears snakes thing in yeah. the video music? Yeah, 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 yeah. Those were Doc Antle's snakes. Okay. And they covered that in Tiger King 1. But he also turned out in Tiger King 1 that he, he had a bunch of young 20-something women working at his zoo. Apparently, those young 20-something women had to have sex with Doc in order to keep their jobs at the zoo. Oops. Doc is not in Tiger King 2, okay. but. Tiger King 3 is about Doc. Okay. So it's sort of they had this well, These are almost like spinoffs yeah, almost. It's, yeah. It's get, I'm telling you, it's yeah. getting good. Yeah, okay, I'm right on. And look, I know Tiger King's kind of like last year's thing. Yeah. It's maybe better now. It's really good. So. That's Yeah, you almost had me on the yeah. second season. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. You've got to start with Tiger King 1. Yeah, of You've got course. a lot of Tiger King in front of you. a backstory. When you're it's done like the, with the Beatles, the prequel. you go into Tiger King. <laughs> I'm booking all of your TV out. Right on. Okay. And then well, let's do some movie stuff real quick. Yeah. Uh, it's Oscar season. What have you seen lately? So recently, I saw King Richard. Oh, okay. Uh, about the Williams sisters. Yeah, I heard that was good. Very good. Will Smith. Very good. Very interesting. Um, and that's on HBO Max right now. Is it? Okay. I, yeah. I, I see it you at the You can see theater. it in the theater, too, but it's one of those you know, Warner Brothers. Sure. Same time thing. Right. It You're only out for 30 days on Max, so you got to get to those quick. Like, I watched Dune. You know, I got to that quickly. Yeah, how was Dune? Eh. Okay. Let's move on. All right. I <laughs> uh, saw House of Gucci. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, I want to see that. Pretty Is that good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I love Adam Driver. I and do, too. Lady Gaga's really good. I've told this story on the show, but Adam Driver spit on me. He did? He spit on me. Why would he do that? Well, I went to... New York. Okay. And he was doing a Broadway show called Burn This. Yeah. And I got a ticket in the second row. Okay. Because I went to the half-price ticket booth. Uh, and he was projecting so much that he spit on me. Fantastic, man. I was man. so happy. I would. I'd probably. <laughs> it's pre-COVID, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, he's he's a bit of a man crush yeah, for me, too. Yeah, I, I, I love Adam Driver. He's a wonderful actor. Is he a, is he a giant? Or does he look like oh, a yeah, big scary dude big dude yeah. yeah it was him and carrie russell in this play it was really good i yeah. see yeah i love and, carrie and she's in star wars now too so was she, yeah they were in the movie together yeah, i don't know if they the interacted last, but yeah they were in the last movie uh and then i saw um let me see you know the, the new james bond uh no yeah. time to die no time to die and, yeah. a halloween movie uh, okay yeah, but as far yeah as i like the first halloween reboot and i heard the second one wasn't that great so i some of it i just didn't understand okay. but um yeah, for sure. I think those two would be the big ones, uh, King Richard and House of Gucci. Cool. Very, very, not only like Oscar worthy, but just really entertaining. And true stories. True stories. And, and that's always good. I mean, I didn't care anything about the Gucci's, but then I'm like, wow, it's pretty, I didn't even know that's what like, they did. I yeah. got true story right here. Yeah. That's the movie that's an Oscar contender. Okay. It's called Spencer. Yeah. Story of Princess Diana. Right, right. And not just the Princess of Diana's life, because you go, oh, I don't want to watch a Diana biopic, and I get that. Right. This just takes place over a weekend. Yeah. Takes place over Christmas weekend. I, I don't know if this is supposed to be Windsor Castle, but okay. basically it's the Queen's house. Okay. And Diana and her family have to go spend holidays with the Queen. Okay. 
<clears throat> and so she is at this point married to Prince Charles. I, I was trying to figure out, uh, and, and by the way, it's Kristen Stewart from the Twilight movies playing Prince Diana. I heard I she's good. She, I thought she did a great job. Yeah. I thought she did a great she's job. She's a better actress than people realize. My girlfriend said, all I see is the girl from Twilight. Oh, seriously? So she had a hard time. She it. couldn't cut that off. No, she couldn't. But I thought it was, I thought she did a nice job. Um, so basically, over you see what does it take to put Christmas together for the queen. Wow. And it's like military precision. Oh, God, yeah. You see all the cooks, and they have all these signs about quiet, they can hear you. It's one of the first things you see in the movies, this sign, quiet, they can wow. hear you in the kitchen. Because I guess these old houses, sound travels, oh, they're not I insulated or whatever. I bet. And you see Diana complaining to the, you know, the... The, the the man servant or whatever like could we keep the the house a bit warmer right it's a bit cold <laughs> i will bring an extra blanket in for you so it's really her conflict where like she doesn't like these royals right but she's got to spend christmas weekend with these people yeah you know with the kids you see harry and uh yeah uh, uh william guy? william yeah and there, and their kids, you know, I think William's 10, and he's yeah. 7 or 8 or something like that. So it's kind of like how Diana was just more of a person. person. She's an outsider, yeah. An outsider, yeah. And here's the thing about it that's great, is this movie is shot like a Kubrick movie. Oh, nice. Like, it's so stylistically, it's like a horror movie. Right? Our... It's like a lady trapped, you know, almost shining. Right. Lady trapped in a giant mansion with people that she does not like and does not get along with. That's really, who's and the, who's the director? slowly losing her mind. Yeah. The, I forget the name of the director. It was somebody I didn't recognize, but yeah. it was shot really well. That's really cool, the idea of yeah. that. Not yeah. actually a horror movie, but a different kind right. of horror movie. And based, I think it was said, it's it's a fable based on true events. Okay. I think it says that right as the movie comes up in the credits. So, yeah, they're taking it's some liberties. It's not a true story, true right. story, but it's based on the spirit of what did Diana think of the royals? What do we know? were her attitudes towards them. In other words, it could very well right. have happened. And it's also a lot of what were the wacky things, what do the wacky things that we know in fact, in reality, do the royals do around the holidays? <laughs> what are other protocols? Like, here's the thing you'll see right in the beginning of the movie. you When you go to the queen's house for holiday weekend, they weigh you. You sit on a scale. They have this weird old tiny scale you sit on. And they weigh you. And the queen determines if you've had a good time or not, you have to have gained three pounds over the holiday That's weekend. really weird. And, you know, Diana's like, I don't really want to so, sit on this What if you thing. don't? What's Well, because you, you have to weigh a lady. 50 you know, it's lashes. Like all this That's weird. weird. Thing, and it's, it's just weird. Uh, customs of the royals. Did they like, do it with, like with smiles on their faces, or, or is it like get well, in the chair? Are, oh, I'm so happy to be sitting here. Uh, I can't wait to gain my three pounds. And Diana's like, "What the fuck are these people thinking?" Right. You know? like, That's weird, man. And you know, and I think you even <laughs> see like I forget who it was. If it was like the queen's uh, number one lady sits down, and you can see if you know how like those balance kind of scales work. Yeah, you can see he like is giving her like sure. it's not balanced, and like he's telling her, oh. Oh, you're only you know, you're only yeah yeah you're, you're seven stone like, whatever <laughs> it is and it's like right. he's bullshitting her sure. to, to not piss her off weird. and so there's just weird shit like that yeah. but it's really played out as like you know can diana you know and it's almost like she's trying to escape at times yeah it's really well done that's it's a very really interesting well premise and it's shot uh you know like i said kubrick kind of very gauzy yeah sort of you know soft uh, kind of, you know, 1980s. Long hallways, maybe? Yeah, yeah, like long hallways, low camera angles. Low camera, yeah. 
It's really well done. I really enjoyed this. Okay. Um, again, I'm not a big Kristen Stewart guy, but I don't yeah. see her in a lot of good stuff. She's I, to me, it, I was watching Diana. That's how sure. I felt. You know, the guy who plays Prince Charles doesn't like exactly look like Prince Charles because Layla, when is that Prince Charles? And I'm like, oh yeah. She's like, oh okay. She was onto it. Well, sometimes they can embolden embody the spirit yeah. more than they just have yeah. to like look at it. Because I don't think them. they ever say they might say Charles, but it's foreign. But you know, she goes, William, Harry, come here. You know, like so you know You know who you're talking about, who yeah. That is, and yeah. you know who the queen is. And well they wanted to she, put the emphasis on her, so they she's really got, need to. you know all the corgis come out of the limo. Sure. Out of the Rolls Royce. Sure. The eight corgis come yeah. out for the queen. You know, yeah. shit like that. Just so, so it was it was it was really well done. It's again it's not a typical biopic. Right. It's really more of sort of a psychological horror film. I way. like that. I think yeah, that's a really like interesting way you, to go. If you like, it's a little different. Yeah. But if you like a little different, you'll love it. Yeah, I'd be into that. Yeah. Cool. And the other thing I saw, and I don't know how Oscar worthy this is, also takes place in England, ironically enough, but Last Night in Soho. Yes. I, yeah. I've been meaning to see it. I missed it, this? but yes. That's yes. Uh, the director, what's his name? Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, who yeah. made... Uh, oh, the Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of yeah. the Dead yeah. and all that stuff. He was originally, he was supposed to direct Scott Ant-Man. Pilgrim. Yeah. He yeah. was, uh, yeah. So good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I yeah. like Last Night in Solo. I yeah. thought it was really well done. Good. So yeah. if you like Edgar Wright, who's considered, you know, to a lot of people, they're like, we're Edgar Wright fans. There's those people. There's a real yeah. cult of Edgar a, Wright yep. fans. And I get it because those, I love, I love The World's End. I thought The World's End was unbelievable. Yeah, that was good. And I did not, there's like a big twist in The World's End. Right. I didn't know the big twist. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think I saw it the day it came out or something, and I just knew like because like I'm if I know I'm gonna see a movie, I'll try to like not see the trailers. Yeah, I'm not like a real like oh, no spoilers, no spoilers. I'm not like that, but right. I'm like kind of like I don't need to see this trailer. I'm seeing it next week. Sure. So I'll try. You know, you know, if they put them on before the show, yeah, I'll yeah. see them. But I don't go out of my way to like watch trailers when I know I'm gonna see something. Sure. So the World's End surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. I thought that was a really good movie. Um, and this one, yeah, this one has twists and turns too. It's basically about a woman. Uh, she's from a small town, and she goes to fashion school in London. Okay. Yeah. And she goes to London, and you know, it's kind of that fish out of water. Like, sure. How do I survive in London? I'm right. a girl from a small town. She's kind of bullied at the college. Yeah. So she goes, I'm going to just go get a flat somewhere, you know, in London. And Soho is sort of the, the red light district of London. Right. I've been there many times. Yeah. To London and to Soho. And, uh, okay. Well, the, like when I stayed in the youth hostel, it was in Soho. Okay. You know, so it's like you go there and you go to these bars. And you sure. And she ends up working in a bar and, you know, one of these things. Um, but she really dreams about like all of her records are like her grandma's records. So all the swinging sixties, sure, uh, you know, uh, you know, stuff, all that, all that, you know, that style of stuff. That's what she really likes. She connects so she to that. sort of dreams, like, wouldn't it be great if it was nineteen sixty two and I was in London? And then, ta-da, ta-da. Okay, that's sort of the that's twist. What happens, yeah, she ends up becoming, you know, Anna. It's it's Anya Taylor Joy. <laughs> Is her sort of sixties persona? Oh, uh, uh, from from uh, Queen's Gambit and Peaky Blinders. I and think Peaky is like Blinders, her yeah. first. So yeah, you know Anya Taylor. She's Joy. talented and really pretty. Yeah. And so, the yeah. actress that plays the current day is very good too. I forget her name. Yeah, she was in a really cool. I forget. She's been in a bunch of really cool stuff. Yeah, right? she looked really familiar. Yeah. Um, so you know, then it's like, oh, now you're in the sixties, and it's uh, and the trailer was really Matt fascinating. Smith is it Matt? Matt the Doctor Who. Yeah, the, the doc guy played Doctor Who is like her sixties beau, and he looks like. You and walked right out yeah, of the yeah, 60s, yeah. you know. James Bond. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, Floppy hair. So, um, and so it's kind of got this like 
and then you know she so she's seeing things and then you know kind of weird stuff starts to happen right you know it really kind of goes there it is i wouldn't call it a horror movie i'd call it a thriller okay it definitely has twists yeah so I don't want to ruin any of those. Yeah, I definitely want to. I think check if that you out. like Edgar Wright, it's a little different from him. It's not a comedy at all. Right. I mean, you might laugh at a few times, but it's <laughs> not. You know, no Simon Pegg in this. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not that. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. Is it going to get Oscar nominations? Eh. I could see like uh like things like set design, costume maybe, yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. They always like the stuff that's uh you know has a foot in the past vintage, like that vintage. Yeah. You know, how do we recreate the sixties? Right. And, you know, they even do some cool stuff, uh, you know, technically where it's like, um, like they go to this swinging 60s club and it's Anya Taylor-Joy. Right. You see her, she's the girl, you know, she's in body. But when they walk in front of a mirror, the reflection is the cool. other actress. Very cool. In present day. So there's like cool stuff like that. That is, yeah. Like little, like special effects, but they're not real showy. They're sure. subtle. Well, they fit the story. Yeah. They just, yeah. you know. And so they did that. I thought that stuff was all really cool. Uh, my girlfriend who hates horror movies. <laughs> A couple times was like, oh, I don't know. This is getting so scary. <laughs> By the end, she said she really enjoyed it. So cool. Layla liked it too. So. Very cool. Uh, yeah, that's Last Night in Soho. And I believe you can rent that one now. Fantastic. At home. There's one more movie I want to mention. And this yeah. one I think would be near and dear to you. I went to see this at the theater, uh, Oasis Live at Nebworth. Oh, yeah, I saw that, that too. Did you see it? What did you think? I saw it when it came to Paramount Plus or whatever. Oh, so, did yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it. Fucking they great, did a good man. job. What a band. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people listening right now may not. Maybe they missed Oasis yeah. to the too young or too old, but man, that's my those are my guys and yeah, yours I mean, too. I think the thing about that documentary is that, you know, maybe to me the best part I mean, as a big o I mean, we're both big Oasis fans. Huge. I thought the stuff before the concert started was almost better than the concert. That was some cool because, stuff about to get in the tickets yeah, and everything and the they, kids. They interview everybody in present day about how did you get tickets. Right, which is how really did you cool. Ride down, where yeah. did you sleep? Yeah. The day before the show, because they did it at this Nebworth. Uh, a giant like country estate, right? Brown. It's like a Woodstocky thing. They have 125 a day. Yeah, two shows. Two shows, so 250 over two days. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. 1996. Six. So they're Six, right yeah. at the peak. Yeah. And that was like, just reminds you how like what an absolute stud lead man Liam. Oh yeah. It was. And, you know, they, the two of them technically, you know, produced it together. I do wonder if there's. I sometimes I think their feud is bullshit, but <laughs> other times I think yeah. And I, you know, we have this discussion in my house all the time. Amanda says they will never get back together because yeah. Noel's put his foot down. And I think, you never say never. Weird stuff happens all well, the time. Well, here's the thing with Oasis, I think, at this point. It's two guys. Right. Because over, and then you see in 96, they had most of the original lineup. I think the drummer was the second drummer. Right. At that point in 96. But, you know, after that, you know, they had a whole bunch of, Ringo's son was playing drums for right. one tour. And, right. You know, the, the 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 guitar player changed, and, you know, sure. Bonehead was out, and, Bo- yeah. was, and Gem was in or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and I saw, I think I saw almost every lineup of Oasis live at one time or another, and I didn't really have much for preference. I saw the original drummer in 94. I saw him in early 95. Um, you're really five. there to see Liam and Noel. Yeah, I mean, but you're really there to see Liam and Noel. So if they ever get back together, it's going to be Liam and Noel and who knows who else. Whoever, session people, yeah. And that's all you really need. Now, Bonehead plays with Liam now. Right. So if you go see Liam and that they do be. Oasis songs, he brings Bonehead out. Which is nice. And I think when Liam does a Liam song, Bonehead leaves. Right. But it's still Bonehead and Liam still have that relationship, which is cool. Have you? Have and you I don't know if Andy Bell would be back or anything. But, ha- um, have you ever seen Noel's uh, High Flying Birds live? Uh, only on television, never yeah. live. 
Yeah, they're good, man. Yeah, I, they're, yeah, they're real good. I, I mean, saw, I, yeah, I saw Oasis three times live. I think I saw four t- times, three times, four times. I saw them twice. You saw them in England, though, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I saw them in England. I saw them at Reading 2000. Oh, yeah. Which was really cool. Here, Here's the top three bands. So Reading's three nights, okay? It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I sure. think Oasis did Friday. Here's the Friday, the final three bands on the Friday night. Uh, Foo Fighters. Nice. Followed by Primal Scream. Check. Followed by Oasis. Check. Pretty I fucking good. <laughs> I would have changed. I would have changed the order. I would have put Foo Fighters in the middle. Well, but, the problem is Primal Scream. Primal yeah. Scream in England, right? Unbelievable. Oh, I of mean, course. Primal they're, Scream in England, and you know, they're so. a great band. And, and Foo Fighters in two thousand were just. I mean, they had made their name already and made most of it. But I think it was still. Oh, records, the guy from Nirvana has a yeah, band. Yeah, but that was the top three bands that night. So that was a hell of That's a night. That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah. I love that show, and you know, I saw the other times I saw Oasis in the states, and I saw him at St Andrews Hall the first time. Oh shit, that would have been great. Years later at uh, Meadowbrook, and then I saw him in England. I saw him that last. No, I think I saw England and then Meadowbrook, but whatever. I saw him that last tour. I saw him at Pine Knob, then I saw him at the last yeah. tour at the Palace. Yeah. Uh, which that last album, uh, Dig Out Your Soul. Yeah. yeah which is yeah, pretty good. I mean, hopefully, I, look, if Vegas comes back, I'd probably go. Oh, yeah, I would. So, I'd figure you know, it and out. I did enjoy this Nebworth movie. I think one of the things when we talk about, like, uh, you know, the Beatles thing, the footage that they shot for Nebworth is like standard definition video right so in order to upscale it it doesn't look the greatest no they do make creative choices that make it look like it's retro well and and like they didn't wear the same clothes both nights right so when they're shooting you know when they're playing champagne supernova it's like here's john squire oh his shirt changed i know (laughs) i know they're like oh they like turn all the focus on him yeah yeah so you know their clothes are inconsistent from you know you'll see that they show you pretty much the whole concert i think more or less yeah but you know like it's from different nights, and yeah. they don't really distinguish between the two nights. But that was they. I think movies they kinda, do that. It's yeah, like, they like comedy specials. I was they just gonna say, yeah. and they sort of like it was like wasn't two shows. It was one thing. Yeah, it was you know, one, event show, one event, one over two nights. Um, and it's really it's a great document of it. And the other thing I liked about it too is they did that supersonic documentary a few years ago, which yeah. was great. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, you know. They cut all these other band guys out of the movie. They right. digitally replaced the drummer. Right. Because when you see the the Nebworth stuff in there, you never see the drummer. True. They, like, cut him out. And I've watched that thing more than once. I think I've watched it maybe three times. And every time I'm like, how the fuck did they cut the drummer out? Because you can go on YouTube and, you know, if you just want to see raw. The Nebworth, well, it's yeah. Nebworth, you watch it. It's and there. then you watch Super Sock Dying Man. You're like, where's the drummer? Where the fuck is the bass player? Why did here? they do that? I think they either would have to pay them and so by cutting them out they didn't pay them right or either that or they said i don't want to be in this right and so they were forced to cut them out sure i mean there's a performance of oasis on letterman where they digitally altered the letterman performance in supersonic yeah just yeah i guess that makes sense i mean if you watch it and don't think about it you may never think about it right you're looking for it yeah okay which because because i'm sort of like well okay well which lineup was this sure and if it's not I think it's Gwigsy and Bonehead that are in there. Yeah. And but otherwise, I don't know that the other guys are in it at all. I think it's just it's the Gallagher. Even, I don't even know. If, maybe Gem and Andy are in it. I can't remember. No, because Supersonic ends in '96. They don't do the later line. That's right. Yeah, Supersonic ends at Nebworth. They need a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Supersonic's great. I think it's it on is. Netflix. Last time I checked. So Was it? go watch that too if you like the uh, Nebworth thing. That would which be... is on Paramount Plus in the states. Paramount Plus. Yeah, know. and I believe it's I believe it's Blu-ray. I don't know if it's in the. States I think I I think yet. I have it on yeah. disc. Yeah. I, uh, now another like the other Gallagher brothers. I don't really want to get back together. Is Gallagher Gallagher because <laughs> his brother is also a comic, 
And you know what? Yeah. I don't think I've told the story. There's going to be a lot more Gallagher coverage coming up to Joel Rady. Fantastic. And I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, really? Yeah, Is this so a recent gonna... development or? Uh, it's a few months old. I just can't remember if I covered it on the show. Okay. I do know, and I, this isn't my story to tell, but okay. I do know there's a legendary story about the last time he played uh, at Waterford at the okay. club there. I'm going to stop you. Okay. All right. I'm not going to say another word. It's just everybody knows the story. I'm just not going to tell the story. Just... Well, we're, here's what we're going to do. We're right. going to say goodbye. Okay. Turn off this recorder. Okay. And I'm going to say, first of all, if there were weird edits, I ran out of space. So I apologize. <laughs> if you listen to this whole thing and you're like, why are we talking about uh, Adam yeah. Driver again? There's going to be a weird cut in there. Because he's hot. He That's why. I love him. So uh, Jay, first of all, Jason, thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me. December 29th. December 29th. We'll see you don't yeah. need a ticket. It's a five-hour show. Just drop in and say hello. Grab Cat Brewery in Oxford. In Oxford. On the 8 o'clock hour. Yes, you so. are. Uh, um, but when thank I you. turn this off, yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about Gallagher. Okay. And I will just say that we are going to have lots more Gallagher stories on this show. Fantastic. In the near future. I'm not sure when. But it's going to wow. happen. Who knew? Like all this time later, you'd get some Gallagher content. Gallagher I think coverage. it's what everybody's been waiting for, really. But <laughs> well, look, there's a famous. I had a famous encounter with Gallagher. Okay. I've told that story many times on this show. You can go through the archives and listen to that one. Okay. But there's more developments about Gallagher. I'll be talking about those later. Okay, I heard he's but, very charming. So yeah, <laughs> Jason. Uh, Thanks so much for doing Thank this, Thank you, brother. Joel. Much uh, appreciated. January 8th, the next Advanced Comedy Class, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Come out for that one. Call the club at 248-542-9900. Get well to Layla if she's Yes, listening. Layla. Feel better. Uh, we got to get Layla healthy so I can get out of this hotel. <laughs> it is very nice for this purpose. And uh, <laughs> all love to Oxford. Stay Oxford yeah. strong. We'll Oxford be there strong, soon. Baby. Make you laugh. Thank right, you. Guys. Later. Thanks, buddy.